0: Hey, this is Tim Johnson, and you are listening to Native MMA Radio.
1: Right, guys welcome to the 57th episode that's right I said 57 you are keeping track at home that's big 57 Wally Wall my man is always is here you can catch us on Facebook Instagram you can catch these episodes every single week on iTunes Google Play Spotify iHeartRadio Speaker the list goes on like pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast you can get our shit and if you can't get it there send me the information and I'll get it on there all right This week, we got three amazing guests. Tough Enough's newest light heavyweight champion, Joe Hurst, had a beautiful knockout this weekend. I was there in the crowd. It was amazing. Richie Smolens, former Tough Enough uh, uh, fighter, coming out. He's fighting this weekend at Bellator Dublin, so we got a quick interview with him before he steps in the cage on Saturday night. And then Tim Johnson comes back on the show. As always, you know, we have Tim talking a little bit of Vikings football, a little bit of fighting. He's fighting this Friday night at Bellator 239. That is in Oklahoma. As always, Wally Wall and I are going to be recapping UFC Rio Rancho. We're going to preview UFC Fight Night 168, which is in Auckland, which is headlined by Dan Hooker and Paul Felder. Super excited main event for this week. And there's a great card this weekend. Wally and I were even just scouring over. It. and just talking about the great matchups on there. Carolina Kokevich had to fight on there. Jalen Turner is on the prelims. I mean, it's a very good card.
2: Yeah, it's a really good card, and uh, that main event like is a, is a real banger, and I believe that a great fight between two future contender, maybe for this belt. Like, uh, they are, This is the kind of fighters that maybe the winner of this fight can get that Conor McGregor fight.
1: No, de- uh, see, I don't know about a Conor McGregor fight. I, I think that's a little far reach, but it definitely ascends him. It cements their place within the top ten, and it really knocks them on the door of being in that top five.
2: Now, listen, if Conor don't fight at welterweight and he don't fight Justin Gagey, who's next? Like for him, like what's other option do he have? Like it's,
1: it's not Diego Sanchez. Let me tell you that.
2: No, for, for sure. <laughs> Not that. Please don't that. We 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 don't need that fight.
1: That would just be horrible. And yeah. I don't even think I honestly like I, I don't even think Connor would even like entertain it. I think he would entertain, you know, fucking crazy ass Diego Sanchez just to play with him a little bit, but I don't think he would ever actually realistically entertain the idea of stepping in the cage and fighting him.
2: Nah, I think that he just, like, maybe he kind of respected the fact that Diego Sanchez fights at, you know, at every weight class that he can fight. Maybe it was a more about that, it's, you know, him calling him out, just giving him kind of a shout-out. But no, nah, I don't see him fighting. Like, not in this life. He didn't
1: even win that fight. He had disqualified. The other guy had disqualified. Two disqualifications this week, and actually, one of the, I don't think that's ever happened in a UFC card, at least not in their main cards. But Michelle Pereira yeah. was uh, disqualified for a legal knee on the ground. And then Rogerio Vargas was disqualified for an illegal knee on the ground to Brock Weaver. Uh, both those two fights in the main card in disqualification, it was wild. Uh, Brock Weaver, I mean, that that fight barely even got started, it seemed like. It seemed like, you know, the first round they were just barely testing each other out. And then Brock Weaver got, he was on his butt and got clean, cleanly hit yeah. right in his fucking, I believe it was like right right in his eyeball and then uh Diego sanchez uh a little bit of a different situation, he was on his knees and then he got hit boom square right in his forehead. You could tell there was a yeah. big gash on Diego's head too, so you can't really take that away. There was significant damage from the Michelle Pereira knee that obviously Diego was you know it, it was smart of him to call the fight you you can't really get yeah. on him I, I I hate the people that are sitting here like you, you know he, got, he took it out the easy way like no, bro like there was a significant gouge that was open because of that knee there was no other shot that made like it's not like you know he hit the fucking gouge and it was already open like that thing started from that knee and then it started pouring down the blood so Diego did the smart thing by getting out of there and anyone that says he you know copped out or anything like that they just don't understand the sport why would you continue to put yourself in more harm when your opponent just threw an illegal knee
2: yeah. Listen. At the end of the day, in other sports, if someone gets like you know the other team cheat, cheat, and you all use an illegal shit, and the and your team that you are supporting like take you know oh look they they like they cheated and you know you take off a point or whatever, nobody would talk about that. But in fighting, which is the same shit, it's a sport. Like I don't see why there's a lot of drama. You know, it was an illegal. Need was it? Or was it or not? Really yes, it was.
1: There is a lot of drama in a sport where we actually get to fight each other.
2: Yeah, like if it's yeah. basketball or you know that baseball, because there's a lot of uh, right right now. There's a lot of drama there's in the a baseball world.
1: Drama right now in the baseball world, thanks to the goddamn cheat ass Astros.
2: Going yeah, against. yeah, they cheated, and you know they. So you know. They they will get suspended or whatever, and this is not the same kind of cheating. It was an illegal knee, so yeah, it's it's a, in the rules. Diego Sanchez didn't do anything not ethical. It was in the rules. It's like that. I saw people like get it, who no, cheated. It, it, a-
1: Ariel said this too. Nobody is harping on prayer for throwing that knee when it was unnecessarily
2: yeah that that's crazy i don't see why they they're not doing it no and, and, and it like, was dumb from him it was yes, very dumb from yes. him he was winning this fight
1: why throw that knee at that situation there was no point it's his mistake and rodrigo he, vargas yeah. i mean brock weaver was on his butt bro he was not on his butt. he wasn't even on his knees
2: yeah he didn't need it at all and I don't know why he did it. It was kind of dumb from him, but, you know, But it's in, sometimes in the fights, yeah. Sometimes in the fight, you don't really think. So, I don't know.
1: All right, well, let's uh, get on to this episode. We have three great guests, like I said earlier. The new Tough Enough champion is going to be up first. So, uh, if you go ahead and give us a quick moment, we are going to be recapping fight night. <clears throat> Rio Rancho and then we're going to have Joe Hirsch on right after that so as always we're going to have a quick station identification before we get into Rio Rancho you're listening to Native MMA Radio
3: this is Richie Smolin listening to Native MMA Radio
1: Saturday night had an action-packed card coming out of Rio Rancho, New Mexico, UFC Fight Night 167, which was headlined by a light heavyweight matchup between Corey Anderson and Jan Blakovic, with seen Blokovic getting the huge KO knockout. 3 minutes and 8 seconds into the fight. But we're going to start at the very first fight of the night, as always, and Mark De La Rosa ended up getting knocked out 4 minutes and 42 seconds by Rulion Pulva. Now, Rulion Pulva was just literally manhandling Mark De La Rosa the entire fight, in my eyes. Uh, He was landing that right hand over and over and over again, and it seemed like every time they would engage, Mark De La Rosa couldn't disengage in time Before Rulion landed that big right hand on him,
2: yeah, it was like uh, when you watch the fight since the beginning, like I was just waiting for the finish because I knew it was coming, kind of.
1: Yeah, I mean you could tell like even there was a couple flurries in there where Rulion was just getting the better of Mark De La Rosa, and you can tell on the feet. Mark De La Rosa was really having a problem with Rulion's, uh length. He was very long compared to Mark, and he was Mark wasn't able to get out on the outside of that right hand. And I feel like that was the biggest problem of the matchup.
2: Yeah, he didn't like find his you know his reach the distance. He he didn't. It wasn't enough nice for him. I don't know if it was enough nice or just like uh, Paiva who really looked good. But uh, you know sometimes it happens, and with those kind of fights, you know. You know, definitely that's the who's going to be like kind of the winner.
1: Yes, for sure. And I'm going to praise Rulion Poyv right now, but I'm going to praise Mark De La Rosa a little later on in the show, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But like I said, Rulion, great right hand. Can't wait to see what's next for him in the flyweight division. 125 is really shallow right now, so a winner two really bumps you up in those rankings quickly.
2: Yeah, and we need uh, fresh blood and, you know, people, you know, getting finishes in this division is really big for you. So, yeah, congrats to him and, you know, hoping
1: to see more of him. Now, in the women's bantamweight division, Macy Shoshesian beat, or, yes, you beat uh, Shannon Young by unanimous decision. I honestly thought Shannon Young was going to catch Macy in the first round with those head kicks. Uh, I believe it was... uh dc was alluding to it but there was a let she hit a left high kick i think three or four times cleanly on macy's jaw and it really staggered her one or the second time uh if she would have just followed up on that i really feel like it would have been a long night but then when macy was able to get shanna in the clinch the tie clinch and she was able to deliver the knees to the body and deliver the knees to the head i really feel like that was the difference maker it really showed to give her the victory
2: yeah, like you said, it was for me it was a clear win for her and she she looked perfect. Like you said, like it was a one sided kind of decision.
1: No one percent. Um now our good friend Casey kenny ended up losing an unanimous decision to Murab Davalishi. I hate saying his last name. <laughs> Davalishi. Yeah. But that, that dude Morab, just has a motor. Obviously, out of Sarah Longo, Matt Sarah, Ray Longo are in his corner at all yeah. times. So having those two in your corner is, you know, just phenomenal as it is. But then having the type of work ethic and motor that this guy has, I mean, they got it, they got it. They told <laughs> they lied to him and didn't tell him or they didn't tell him, they just kept the information from him that he was fighting at altitude. Because they knew that he would have trained harder and they didn't want him to do that.
2: Which is like, crazy. Like, but uh, it's uh, listen,
1: beast.
2: it's a beast and Matsera is a beast. And, you know, we have maybe, maybe the best duo coaches when it comes to talking uh, in the MMA world. Like, everybody loved them.
1: 100. They need their own show. I'm just saying. It, a Reality TV show, fuck the Kardashians.
2: Matt Serra is definitely the star of that show, Dana White looking for a fight. He's definitely the star. It's not here. He's not. This is not not the fighter, not Dana White. He is the star.
1: In the light heavyweight division, Devin Clark defeated Dequan Townsend by unanimous decision. Devin Clark really went in there and put a one sided victory on Daquan Townsend. The wrestling obviously was a huge difference maker, and then Dequan just couldn't get the combinations on his feet going.
2: Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, it was kind of, you know, there's a lot of fights that look like each other in this card, I it believe. Like, if, if, let me
1: just say it. it was boring, all right? I'm gonna go yeah, it wasn't,
2: <laughs> it, it wasn't the best card the UFC put out. Like, the names were good, but sometimes but some you decrease, just have enough fights. It
1: like one or two great fights, matchups, some that I was really excited for. And the other ones were like, this could be good, this could be bad.
2: Yeah, the main event, we all wait.
1: Unanimous decision victory again for Scott Holtzman. I feel like, what is it, the third decision in a row? Fourth decision in a row? So uh, there's a lot of decisions in this card. Scott Holtzman gets another decision victory in the lightweight division. Uh, I'm impressed to see what's next for him. I really feel like a step up a competition is due. Jim Miller was definitely below what Scott Holtzman should be competing against right now, especially in the lightweight division. Yeah. Biggest surprise tonight. For me, the bantamweight division, John Dotson got a huge KO, 16 seconds into the yeah. third round, against Nathaniel Wood. And Nathaniel Wood's no slouch. I honestly have high praise for the guy, and I think he's going to do very good things in this bantamweight division. But John Dotson shows that he's still here.
2: Yeah, and uh, we we said that I uh, said that the Dotson, if he, you know. He fixed his haircut, and I believe that was really what changed, you know, his whole plane. And that's why he looked good, you know, because that fucking haircut, you can't win with this haircut. You no, can't win in 100%. life with that haircut. I think
1: yeah. that's really what so, it was. I think that's what threw off his speed, too, was the haircut.
2: Yeah, even though that's this is not new, like, I believe that he had his haircut, like, uh, he cut his hair, like, maybe a couple of months ago. But okay. it's, it's his first fight with the, a normal, healthy... Haircut, and that's you know, that's the changing the game plan really I believe it's like the fighters that fight You know without cutting weight and shit with a clear haircut like you can't lose But other than that other than this bullshit that I'm saying right now
1: I was I believe that we had yeah fucking great in fucking sting. Yeah. right there You know honestly that was like the best pay-by-pay I've ever heard in my entire life and that was like yeah. some very deep and detailed shit <laughs> Gradually, No, but other now, uh, other Boston, than that, it was, Dotson, Dotson was just too damn fast. Dotson was like He looked like, the, he, looked like
2: he like they he looked like the Dotson that we know we knew and we fell yeah. in love with, you know, he watching him, you know, very off. very explosive.
1: He was just too fast. I mean, uh, you could tell the combinations were getting off before Nathaniel Wood could even get one or two punches off. I mean just how fast is Dotson and then I even texted you yesterday because I, I told you I think yeah. John Dotson is the whole UFC fighter who gets kicked in the nuts the most and it, it's not the fighters that he's yeah. fighting's fault. He just moves too damn fast to where you think you're going to yeah, hit him in the leg hard. and uh, unfortunately he moved the other way and you just caught him in the cup.
2: Very, very fast. Maybe one of the fastest firing we ever had in the UFC. I believe. He
1: changes levels so much.
2: Yeah. It's wild. yeah, and it was good performance. I always enjoy watching a guy like him that people say, yeah, maybe he's done. And then, you know, he back it up and he just, you know, he, he performed well. So good for him, Dawson, and I'm very happy for him.
1: Back, back, backing it up. And another man that backed it up was Daniel Rodriguez. He got a nice submission victory. 2 minutes or sorry 3 minutes and 37 seconds into the second round in this welterweight matchup against him means That was the main event for the prelim portion of the card That was probably one of the better fights of the night Uh, I love to see what Daniel Rodriguez was able to do He was an underdog going into it and he showed that uh, he's not the underdog no more
2: Yeah, if I'm not wrong, it was the only submission we had in this card, right? I believe so yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so yeah, yeah it's good. And yeah, you know, and disqualification. <laughs> so yeah, other than other kind of boring, I would I would say decisions. This was this was a good, you know, win, and it was a fight that I really enjoyed watching. which is, you know, I can't say that for every fight in this card.
1: I mean, it, it really just depends on how you look at it. If you're glass half full or glass half empty, it just, it really all depends. Oh,
2: come on. Uh, <laughs> we all agreed that it wasn't the the big, the greatest card the UFC put on uh, look, in the last year. The
1: fucking murdered it. But look, we'll get into the main card right now. Lightweight division, Lando Venato is taking on Yancey Madreras. Lando won the unanimous decision. I thought it could have went either way. Personally, I thought it was a great fight, back and forth. That was probably the best fight of the night, if you ask me.
2: Maybe, maybe it was because it was two fighters that we really enjoy watching, and we know. Listen, we knew before this fight that this can be the fight of the night because we know that these two guys really deliver every time they they step up, they step in the cage. So yeah, for me, it wasn't a surprise. Maybe I thought that maybe Medeiros would get the W, but uh, you know, banana you can't come, you can't count him out in this
1: Ruby kind of fight. So good, man. I mean, especially like if you look what he did in his very first fight against Tony Ferguson, on short notice. I mean, the just the type of pressure he's able to put, the creativity he has with his striking. Yeah, he's really a problem for most people. Yeah, and I believe that it's he's a dude that he
2: never had kind of easy fights ever since he came in the UFC. So, good. I'm happy for him to see him win, get some Ws, because I really believe that he really deserved those wins, and he really deserves to, you know, get more recognition in this, in this, in this sport.
1: Now, in the Flyweight division, Rogerio Bonsarino got defeated by Ray Borg. Ray Borg really showed that he is a, a dominant wrestling problem for most of the division. Except yeah. he can't make the weight.
2: That's that's a problem for him. But, you know, the dude had a lot of uh, personal uh, problems and issues this year. For him to get this win, I believe it's very, very important for him. And I'm very glad for him that he got that
1: win. And, uh, you no, know, most I
2: at least get some relief, you know, because sometimes life is hard, really hard. And,
1: and this is one of those, those moments, moments you enjoy.
2: Yeah, so very happy for him, and I believe that every everyone was happy for him. I believe this was a unanimous decision, not only in the judges' card, but I believe even people were very happy. I believe everyone was happy for him.
1: No, most definitely, that's definitely a guy that you can't root against. Ray Borg, with all his personal issues with his son, it's hard to uh, yeah. imagine you know anything else. But Brock Weaver was our first fighter who got hit by an illegal knee by Rodrigo Vargas. Rodrigo got disqualified in the first round, four minutes and two seconds into that round. Uh, let's see, Brock Weaver was able to throw a submission attempt. He had five significant strikes and six total strikes. Unfortunately, after you know one takedown, it was all over.
2: It was all over because, uh, but not in the way that we like it, right?
1: No, no. <laughs> so, yeah. Just uh, it, it was just, good, but. It, out of the two knees, I think this one was worse than the other one. If you look at the replay, uh, Brock Weaver's sitting on his butt. I mean, it, it's hard, hard to fucking sit here and really justify the knee that Rodrigo threw. Like, Brock's on his butt, bro.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. But uh, like, like I guy. said, we are not—we not are not he, in the cage. Sometimes, sometimes in the heat of the moment, you forget that you're in the cage and there are rules. I believe.
1: But we're we're talking about a guy who's had 14 professional fights.
2: I agree with you. Even sometimes like that, we saw some fighters do some crazy shit, Like, and you believe that's not. Uh, but as in the heat of the moment, I believe you don't think, and I believe that he's the first one to say that he regrets, you know, his mistake.
1: Well, yeah, it's kind of hard not to regret it. I mean, he threw an illegal knee at the goddamn guy.
2: Yeah, uh, for sure, and he, it cost him the fight, so yeah, of course that he re- he regret that, but so, you know, it is what it is. Uh, listen, like we said, we already said this card was kind of boring, we those two disqualifications were very disgusting, but this one at least we don't have the drama we're having for the for the other one.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a little less drama, but I definitely think this knee was a lot more worse for wear than the other one. Although Diego did get cut, but Diego gets cut every single time he steps in the octagon. He literally brushed his teeth this morning and cut himself.
2: I, exactly. So, yeah, but uh, it is what it is. Anyway,
3: That's let's move on the the, fly to the women's flyweight
1: division. Montana De La Rosa got a unanimous decision victory over Mara Romero Barella. Now, this is where I want to talk about Mark De La Rosa first. Like, Mark De La Rosa did get knocked out in the very first fight of the night. But after getting knocked out, he had to put all that aside and put on his coaching cap and go out there and be him in his wife's corner to make sure that she had the performance that she needed to do to come out victorious. Now, not a lot of people, especially fighters, would be able to do that. I mean, you have to understand that Mark De La Rosa was able to just go around and take the knockout, deal with the situation, put it all aside, and then get back out there and make sure that he was able to support his wife to go out there so she could perform and, you know, be victorious
2: yeah if if both the, both of them got you know that's when it would be the perfect fairy, fairy tale but it didn't didn't happen and you know because this is real life yeah.
0: Yeah. and this well, is not a fairy I, tale. Hey,
1: listen, at least one of them was able to get the victory and I applaud Mark De la Rosa for being the man that he is for able to put his loss aside and get out there and get in there for his wife.
2: 100%, uh, it was uh, big for him, Like, but without surprise, this is a man that really supports his wife, and uh, it's good, it's good. And it was a perfect performance by her, it was a good win.
1: And it's what we need to see more of from UFC fighters.
2: Yeah. May I exactly. I agree with
1: you. Now, Diego Sanchez versus Michelle Pereira. Oh, my God. Let's just go over the numbers real quick, okay? Total strikes landed. Pereira had 56 to where Diego Sanchez had 29. Significant strikes. Diego Sanchez had 25. Pereira had 53. Uh, Diego Sanchez went for six takedowns, landed none of them. Pereira went for two takedowns, landed both of them. And Pereira had a knockdown. Was winning every minute of that fight. He yeah, he didn't need to throw that knee.
2: Really didn't.
1: It was unnecessary, it was uncalled for, and it really just showed his lack of control in the octagon.
2: He's he's wild, he's very wild, and the people say he's unorthodox. And yeah, he is. And being unorthodox sometimes mean you are wild, and that knee was useless. Because of it, like, he lost, he didn't get the W but that
1: he didn't he really deserve. just deserved. hit him with his hands.
2: Yeah, at that point, he was, like, Diego was against the cage. Just, you know, just put on pressure, you know, just punch him or whatever. You are the fighter, we are not. But definitely don't throw a, a weird knee that can be an illegal knee in, in this position.
1: I believe he tried to say like he was he was trying to say that Diego was taking him down, but that was until after he threw the goddamn knee. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was after he the Diego was down because of the knee, kind of.
1: Yeah, like he was
2: really really down
1: because of the knee. And then like like I said, Brock Weaver hit him right in his like his eyeball socket, and you could tell he was he was obviously out from the situation. But Diego Sanchez had a big laceration on his forehead, and it was gushing blood.
2: He said that Diego said to the doctor, "I can't see," and I really believe him when he said that. I don't see why people are really shitting on a guy like Diego Sanchez, even though people that are shitting right now about his coach, like I can't really blame them. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll
1: get into that in the current events, though.
2: Yeah, so, but, yeah, I believe that Jebu did the right call. He, he, he wasn't able to see, and even if he was able, it was an illegal knee. He took the W. Can you blame him for that? I, I can't. No,
1: not when you get 50% of your money taken from you before you even step in the cage. You're like, listen, you got to fight and win for the other half.
2: Yeah, at the end of the day, it's a sport. So, and in, in sports, if the other team or player or whatever do a mistake,
1: their full purses. I don't think a situation like that would have happened.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Maybe, and uh, at the end of the day, you get the chance to get a win. You will take it, 100%. and that's it.
1: Now in the light heavyweight division, the main event: Corey Anderson was knocked out three minutes and eight seconds by Jan Blokovic. John Jones is in the arena. Jan versus John. Do you think that's possibly next? I know that that's what John Jones wants because I can guarantee you he doesn't want to step in the octagon again for another five rounds of Dominic Reyes.
2: I agree with you. I think that he doesn't want to fight against Dominic Reyes. Uh, Jan Bakovic is a much uh, shorter fighter, I believe. Yes. And John Jones lo- loves to fight against fighters that he really have a clear reach advantage. They are not tall. I believe that John Jones really struggled with tall fighters. Uh, uh, no, I feel like yeah, like at, at
1: least. least the guys who were good, not scared of that, you know, John Jones mystique. Like Reyes was able to push the pressure and, you know, get in his face yeah. right away. It wasn't like... You know, hesitant because oh shit, I'm fighting John Jones right now. It was no, I'm gonna get in there and fight John Jones right now. I believe
2: that Bl- Blaikovich will come out with the same mentality. I believe those these those new, not really new, but you know, those new challengers for the belt in this division. They really don't care. They don't really care who is John Jones. For them, it's just the fight. It's just the guy that is uh, holding up the belt, and he put on like a. He had a bad reputation for cheating and shit. So for Either them, they, like, they don't respect him as a fighter.
1: Do you think Jan's next or uh, Dominic Reyes is next?
2: If it was me, I would say Dominic. Uh, if for John Jones, it will be, I believe, Jan. He like, won Jan. The, the weird shit is well, if they have Jan, Dominic against Jan.
1: He wanted Jan before Reyes. He was calling yeah, but s- at the He was trying to get it done.
2: Yeah, but at the end of the day, even though he's a a long-time reigning champion in this division, he doesn't really call the shots. It's more about Dana White and the fans and, you know, who deserves more.
1: 100%. Yeah. All right, well, anything else on uh, UFC Fight Night Rio Rancho? uh,
2: I believe that it's a card that if people, like, in a couple of years, I don't know, new guys, like very young guys... Start watching UFC and say, Yeah, I will watch all events. This is an event that you can skip. That's what I want. That's what I want to say. Exactly. To be fair, yeah, everything about this card was a weird, kind of. Not everything, but you get what I mean.
1: Most definitely. Now we have Joe Hurst, the new light heavyweight champion for Tough Enough. He won his belt on Saturday night. I was live in attendance. I was able to watch this beautiful knockout that he landed. We'll get into that in a little bit with Joe as soon as he joins us here. We're going to get into some current events after we talk to Joe. But as always, you're listening to Native MMA Radio.
4: This is Juan Adams and you're listening to Native MMA Radio.
1: All right, so over the weekend, I was able to enjoy some great amateur fights in Las Vegas. I was able to go watch Tough Enough crown their brand new light heavyweight champion. And at this time, I have that gentleman with me, Joe Hurst, with a phenomenal KO this weekend. Joe, how you doing today?
4: Good, man. Good. I'm glad to be here.
1: Now, like I said this past week, and you were crowned the Tough Enough champion. How was that for you to, you know, finally accomplish such a huge goal because Tough Enough being one of the best amateur promotions?
4: It was great, man. It opened up a lot of doors for me. You know, it was very humbling to have such a large crowd out there to have some people believe in me to go out there and get the job done anyway. So it was was great, man, all the way around. It opened up a bunch of doors. You know, my video going viral and everything. Yes. Everything's been great for me, man.
1: Yeah, MMA Junkie posted a great article about you know the knockout and everything. Diego Vasquez is no slouch either. From a great camp over there with Sam Alvey was in his corner that night. Uh, tell me, was there anything that surprised you about Diego on Saturday?
4: Man, yeah, man. The the dude's whole demeanor. He was nice, man. It's like uh, he, it was all it was all about the art of the sport for him. He was in it for the true sportsmanship. He was out there to win too, man. Like he was he was no pushover. You know what I mean? He was uh he was trying to set up a good offense right off the off the beginning, you know I was able to you know change his game up make him wrestle a little bit and that was that was the idea you know we knew he was going to be bigger and longer and his strikes were going to be more dominant and and they were you know and I just had to sit back and wait for him to make a mistake.
1: Now as the brand new tough enough light heavyweight champion, and you look to defend your crown most likely here at Pack the Mac, which is one of the bigger tough enough events. Is that something that's a possibility for you to do? or you Obviously, you came out almost unscathed from that fight.
4: Yeah, man. You know, we're ready to fight, actually. We're, we're currently in the process of trying to line up more fights. I, I'm actually looking to go down to 185 and, you know, take over that, that title also. So, we're just playing with it at the moment.
1: So, are, Joe, are you telling me that you could possibly be a tough enough champ champ here within the 2020?
4: Oh, yeah, for sure. That's... That's hands down, definitely gonna happen.
1: Now, is one eighty five more your natural weight class or do you feel more comfortable at two oh five?
4: Yeah, yeah, I feel like one hundred eighty five, man, it's it's gonna be hard for it's gonna be hard for anybody to really put up a challenge with me. And uh I walk around probably about one ninety. We actually had to chug two gallons of water and I weighed in with my sweatpants to make weight <laughs> at two oh five. You know, so I had uh we actually struggled just to get up there. So I think uh, 185 is going to be more natural. I'll be more powerful and more, you know, just overall dominant, the weight.
1: Now, you have more of a wrestling game plan, if I'm correct. Uh, you actually went out there and had a scored a huge KO. How was it to not be able to have to use your wrestling and show people that you do have those hands as well?
4: Man, people don't understand. Where our last fight was in May, and I, I look back at the fight. It wasn't tough enough, and it was probably my worst fight I ever performed. And it was just... Terrible boxing skills, man, and that's all I have worked on since. So for me to go out there and drop this guy from my feet, it was that was that was the most exciting. It was more exciting to know that I could do it and that the, all the hard work had paid off than it was to even get the knockout. Yeah, we so had a full UFC
1: crazy. card, and your knockout was probably the biggest of the weekend.
4: Yeah, man, that it was just it was crazy, man. I loved it. It's, uh, you know, I just a lot of hard work and dedication, man. And we just, I got tough training partners that, are, like, beat the crap out of me. So, you know, just all the hard work, it just, it pays off, man. You just got to stay gr- humble to the grind.
1: Now, you train at a New Mexico. Uh, what is your, uh, who do you train with right now? Genesis MMA? Yeah, I, I
4: train. I train un, I train under Victor Hernandez. We train out of, I train out of Genesis MMA, which is Victor's program. But we're housed at School of Hard Knocks. That's okay. where that's what we're found here here in, here in Hobbs, New Mexico. It's a boxing gym, old school style, bunch of, bunch of brawlers out of there and bangers, upcoming guys, man. So we're just a lot to look out for over here in Hobbs, USA.
1: Iron sharpens iron, especially if you have great training partners around your size. It just makes you even better. Word. Now, obviously, you were in Vegas. Tell me, how would that whole experience to be fighting in the fight capital of the world?
4: Man, it, it like I said, man. Tough Enough is such a high scale amateur division and program. The promotion itself is just so great to fight on, man. Because you, it opens so many doors. And like I said, it's it's taken care of and done so well that it, it's just it's it's like it's leading you up to for greatness. That you see if you're on that promotion, you're doing nothing but setting yourself up to be great.
1: Exactly. I mean, especially if you look at all the former champions who have came out of that promotion. Even the great like Ronda Rousey even fought there.
4: Yeah, exactly, man. You know, those guys are all about the fighters. They're not – it has nothing to do with – you would think there's a bunch of money involved and stuff, man. They are totally about the fighters. They want to put you on. They want to get you out there. They want you to sharpen your skills. You know what I mean? They're making the platform for you. So they're making it easy. You know what I mean? They're breaking the game down for us. And I got mad love for those guys over at Tough Jeff, and Brian Bruce. God, they said they man a great job.
1: Well, uh, Brian and Bruce, this was actually the last event f- with Tough Enough. They're actually going to be moving on from Tough Enough. Uh, how was it to know that you know you obviously were the last main event that they were able to book?
4: Yeah, man, it really sucks for me, man. Because like like I said, they are like a family for me, and they all they were a package deal. So for them to be splitting up, I do hate it. But, um, you know, I still see great things coming from both sides of this. I still see them putting on. At the end of the day, it's still about the fighters to them, and I know that much. So, you know what I mean? It's like having your two parents divorced. You just got to suck it up and take the two Christmases and take the two Thanksgivings.
1: Checking out all the CBDs. Tell me what CBD products you use again.
4: Yeah, man. I use Pharma. Pharma The Pharma um, Skin Topic, the Roll-On. That's one of my favorites. But the bomb is, like, the bomb is, is good, too, man. That's that's for muscle pain and you know after fight eggs. It Really helps with your recovery. Eggs is great. But Cultivate Man, I actually did like a little commercial for them guys. A little clip, you know, of me because I use their stuff, man. You know, it, it was a cool experience. They're very knowledgeable down there. Their products are awesome. You know what I mean? It's a great place. And again, now you talked, <laughs> <elsewhere. laughs> talked about
1: fighting elsewhere. You uh, you talked about fighting elsewhere outside of Tough Enough. Have there been any promotions that you guys have reached out to?
4: Man, we have, but like like I said, since my video's gone viral, man, it's just they dropped out. So it's the fights I did have lined up, they were like, oh, you know, we want easier fights. And I'm like, man, I thought we were in the game to fight the best of the best. Right. But, you know, so I guess, you know, that's what I'm saying. Tuff's always there. They always bring, you know, worthy opponents to you. You know what I mean? They challenge me every time I come up there, you know? So it's, uh, it's always good, man. It's always good with Tuff.
1: Now, uh, obviously, this is a question that I ask every amateur fighter. Obviously, the the end goal is to become a professional fighter. Where do you see yourself? You're still a young man. You're still 23 years of age. When do you see yourself making that leap?
4: Man, i am be honest. I don't know. It could be next month. It could be a year from now. But I just take it one, one fight at a time. I just, you know, try to just go with the you know, flow. Yeah, and let it ride. I don't you know. No, no, no reason to put more on my plate than I can eat. But, you know, one, one fight at a time. But I just I just hate it for the next guy I fight every time. So, you know, one <laughs> fight at a time, though.
1: Now, obviously, you went out there and had a quick, very nice, easily flawless victory. But was there anything that you could take away that you could work on?
4: Yeah, man, there's always room to work on, man. We watched that 56 seconds actually probably gave me weeks of work. So, I mean, like, it gave me weeks of stuff, things to work on. So, we watched the video a million times, of course. I got plenty of things, plenty of things that need to be worked on, plenty of things that we can adjust. And we're going to be working on this next camp. And like I said, man, you know, <clears throat> just keep sharpening the iron and keep sticking it to them. No, for sure.
1: Now, what do you like outside of the kids, Joe? What do you like to do for fun? What do you, you know, I know you have a daughter.
4: Yeah, man. I got, I got a little baby girl, Audrey, man. And she's like, she's like, just, it's just, I don't know, it's probably the best thing to wrap me, man. It's like a little tiny knee. And it's just always happy, so like it's cool, man. Being a dad's probably definitely the most best thing I've ever done, so I enjoy that a lot. But I actually I do other crazy things, man. I climb cell towers for a living, so you know I do enjoy heights. You know I like to hang off and you know hang out. <laughs> so we do a lot of that.
1: So you you're definitely not scared of heights then, because some of those cell towers get pretty high. Yeah,
4: man, they get they get extensive, man. They get they get, they get pretty high.
1: What's the highest climb you've ever had? Uh,
4: six hundred and
1: fifty-three feet. Damn. Yeah, that's a lot.
4: <laughs> a lot.
1: That's a lot. Yeah. So, uh, what do you do on your downtime to kind of get away from fighting, to get away from it all, to just... Chill? Man, I
4: really, man. I'm pretty. I'm pretty family oriented. I chill, man. I stay at home. I am. Not much, man. Especially, especially being around here in Hobbs, you know, there's not much to do other than, you know, physical activities like going out and um, we got like the casino and stuff. There's not much. There's not much nothing around here but deserts and oil fields. So for fun is at the house, man. At the house.
1: No, for sure. Well, it, you know, it's a good thing that you're at least a family man. You get your head on right, ready to make you know big things in this MMA career of yours.
4: For sure. For sure.
1: Now, tell me a little bit about what you want in your future. What's, like, your five-year plan?
4: Man, I want to buckle down, and I want to just get with the good – I want to get with a good gym, a good fight camp. It's all about producing me and bettering me, man. And, you know, I'm very optimistic. I don't see why I couldn't be highly paid and be at the top of any weight class. I like, to, I like to always dominate anything I do. Even if it's a job, I want to be the best at it, you know. So, me running anything I'm at is always – My goal. So, I see myself at 185 and doing a lot of damage, upsetting a lot of people.
1: Now, have you guys already made plans on? Obviously, you made plans on getting down to 185, but have you guys gotten to like a nutrition plan already or anything like that? Yeah, man.
4: See, I, you know, I'm uh, I'm a wrestling baby, so we already, we already, generally always cut weight. We generally always, always on a bland diet. We're always worried about our weight. You know what I mean? I'm constantly in every mirror, like looking at my love handles and stuff. <laughs> you know, so um, it's it's pretty simple. The the Weight Watch is pretty simple, uh, but we know uh, we do. I do plan to have a little struggle when I get to the last few pounds, just because I'm already shredded up. You know what I mean? Naturally. So, yeah. So I do planned on I planned on having to do a little bit of diet, you know, complex diet, and mess around with it. But we we got plans and we got steps in play. Like I said, the main thing is to get down to the weight and then test drive it. So that's the game plan right now.
1: How long have you been wrestling for?
4: Man, I started wrestling when I was an eighth grader in high school. And, uh, you know, I wrestled all through high school. I'm actually a, a Fargo a All-American. You know, and I, uh, we trade on a collegiate oh, level. Wow. Yeah, you know, I wrestled yeah. uh, different campsmen, Carrie Kolod. I, I wrestled with T.J. Dudley, who's a, a direct pupil of Jordan Burroughs up in Nebraska. You know, so, like, uh, I come from a great wrestling background. Fort Mill Wrestling, we just actually produced our first female state champion this year. Those guys are, like, I mean, constantly well, breaking awesome. records, man. Constantly breaking records over there. So, I came from a good home and wrestling, man.
1: And then what made you want to transition your wrestling skills into a mixed martial arts career?
4: Um... Be honest, man. I had two older brothers that used to beat the crap out of me all the time. The one was eight, eight. eight <laughs> you, I have
1: two older brothers. Yeah, so my you
4: know. okay. So you understand, man? They showed no mercy. So, but I never <laughs> lost. I mean, I never. I always lost. Don't get me wrong, but I never gave up. So that told me that I was tough as yeah. nails. <laughs> So you
1: had that dog in you.
4: Yeah, exactly. So and then I just I put it together, man. I think
1: all youngest children, especially if you have two older brothers, you all kind of have a little bit of that dog in you. you know yeah, I mean? you know what I mean. You just gotta have a
4: little bit of. You get a little bit of the savage, you know. So uh, and exactly. I, you know, fighting this fight is fun, man. I love it, and it's like it it connects me back to my wrestling. So
1: now I'm gonna ask you just a random question: If you were not fighting, what would you be doing with your life?
4: Oh man, there's no telling. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I probably be. I probably still be in the army. to Be honest. Oh, you were in the army? Yeah, man. I was a 13 Bravo. Man, I was in the army. I left. I left. I actually left. I left my opportunities of wrestling in college to join the military.
1: <laughs> what made you want to join the army?
4: Man, it was just. The way my life, the way my life was going, man. I was adopted, so I mean, I got a whole crazy story. But I was adopted, and uh, whenever I was adopted, it a lot of my paperwork I got messed up. And while I was taking my ACTs to join the uh, to join and go ride one of these scholarships, the paperwork got changed around. So I ended up having to drop my eight. My whole test got thrown out. So because of the the name change, BJ instead of yeah. Joe. So, so they were making me wait like six months to even go to school. So then I had just. Went to the Army, Army recruiter, and they were like, yeah, you can wrestle here, man. I joined up the next day. Hell, yeah, we'll take you yeah, right Yeah, they were now. like, you can wrestle. We got a wrestling team. Come
1: join us. Here's a singlet and a gun. Yeah, heck yeah,
4: pretty much. So, But I loved it, man. So, I mean,
1: did you get to see any places where you were in the Army? I know, cause like my oldest brother, he was a Marine, so he went all over the country.
4: Yeah, man, I, was, I mainly moved around in the States a lot, man. Like I said, I was a 13 Bravo. I was stationed up at Fort Polk, man. I was in uh, Fort... Fort Jackson is where I came through, and then uh, I was stationed in Fort Polk, man, and, um, you know, we just, we, we did plenty of traveling with the comrades, you know, we just do, we just, the camaraderie and being in being in the service with the Joes and the guys at the time is like the best, the best feeling. Being in the Army itself sucks, but being with your boys is the best, you <laughs> know what I mean? Like, the Army sucks. Yes. boys are great.
1: The camaraderie that you yeah, got from Yeah, the camaraderie
4: me. is what it's about, man. I still keep in touch with all my Joes. You know, we talk them. they all share my fight right now as we speak, you know, so.
1: I've seen a couple of those. Yeah, man,
4: those are my guys, man.
1: So how's it been, man? It's almost like we're like 72 hours away from you going viral. Like, that's that's like a huge thing in 2020.
4: Man, I know. It, it like, it was crazy to me because, like, you had to be there. Like, you was there. So, you know what I mean? Like, people were there, like, <laughs> yes. the sudden. The atmosphere of when it happened was just like so great. It was so humbling to me. I was me, up man. out like, of my chair. Yeah, <laughs> man. You know what I mean? I wanted to jump out of the cage. You know what I mean? The rest Floyd Sr. was, like, Senior
1: was right there. The he cage. was right at the cage, too.
4: Yeah, man. That's you know what I'm saying. And Floyd Sr., like, I, I had, he he was, couldn't even stop. I couldn't even, like, get the words out of my mouth. He couldn't stop laughing. Like, he was <laughs> like, that, guy, that, guy's, that guy's awesome. <laughs> but uh, it was Ooh. great.
1: Yeah, and then you, you had family and friends in the crowd, obviously, man, as well, Man, yes.
4: Man, I haven't seen my family in, like, two years, man. They all flew. I paid $500 plane tickets. They just said, we got to go. They got on the plane. They showed up, and we had a great time. I made them all get in the cage.
1: <laughs> That's awesome, man. How, so how was that experience? So you were actually in your hometown, but you still had a little bit of home there. Yeah,
4: man. I had my mom, my dad, my brother. You know, I had I had most of my immediate family here very close friends, my wrestling partner, man. Me and him me and him, walk into the wrestling room the same day and signed up. We've done every competition together. Eddie Byram's man, and he comes down here to my fight, and I was like, man, I gotta drop this guy for you. So, you know what I mean? They pump, they <laughs> pumped me up, man. They puffed me up.
1: Hell yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, even though you're in there by yourself, there is a huge team always behind you, and not a lot of people realize that when it comes to MMA fighters. Oh,
4: yeah, for sure, man. It takes it. it people don't understand. They only... They look at one fighter man and it takes it takes that whole team so that's why man you know like we we did tread lightly with uh with diego man you know he has great leadership in his corner you know what i mean he came from yes. a great background quest is not nothing to take lightly you know what i mean so we we definitely were humbled by the whole experience man we really are
1: no it's a great feather in your cap as well yeah for sure All right, brother, well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to give a shout-out to your sponsors, teammates, loved ones, anyone that's really helped you along your MMA journey.
4: Yeah, for sure, man. Hey, I want to shout-out right now Coach Vic, Vic Hernandez, Coach Edgar Zubia, and then, you know, all of Hobbs, New Mexico, Hobbs, USA, Fort Mill, Fort Mill Wrestling, Chris Brock, you know, all you guys.
1: Longer MMA journey. And, uh, five, four, three, two, go.
4: Hey, hey, shout out to Hobbs, USA, Fort Mill, South Carolina, Detroit, all my family. And, uh, you know, thank you, Coach Victor Hernandez. Couldn't have did this without him and Coach Zubia. And uh, everybody at the School of Hard Knocks and Genesis MMA. So, you know, we're going to keep putting on for the city.
1: And where can the fans find you on social hey,
4: media? Hey, word. Can't forget about the social media. You can check me out at uh B J Hurst three. You can use B J Hurst three will pull you up or Joe Hurst M M A pull up my knockout. And that
1: is B E E J A Y. Yeah,
4: word. You gotta spell it right, man. I dare to be different. That's what I love to say, man. Dare to be different. B E E J A Y. H-U-R-S-T three or I I I they don't got the i'm the third so you gotta rock it out
1: you gotta rock it out well ladies and gentlemen that is your tough enough light heavyweight champion joe hurst and by the end of 2020 i think this man is going to be the tough enough double champion thank you for coming on today and uh, we can't wait to have you back on when you're ready to defend this
4: yes sir i appreciate you
0: this is lauren murphy and you're listening to native mma radio
1: that was a great interview with Tough Enough's U.S. light heavyweight champion, Joe Hurst. Can't wait to see what's next for him. Obviously, he said aspirations about that 185-pound title. He said that's more his natural weight class, so can't wait to see what's going on in his future, especially there at Tough Enough. Now, on to some current events. This weekend's Rio Rancho card had a lot of controversy, but I think the most controversial aspect of it all comes yet again from diego sanchez and it has absolutely nothing to do with that illegal knee it has to do with his fucking crackpot of a coach yeah i agree with you
2: listen if you want uh, more information that really you know have make your own opinion go listen to his interview with Ariel hawani i believe it was a great interview I believe Ariel you really defended well the MMA world and the MMA community and the MMA legends because he defended Diego San- Sanchez sort of. But what I see when I listen to this guy talk, I, I believe that he's a, ska, he's a uh, like a I don't know, artist. like he's, yeah scam artist. He's, he's selling wolf tickets, like Nick Diaz said, mm, and. Saying. Yeah, 100% and it's weird because uh, we don't know his background when it comes to MMA. I believe that he's some sort of, uh, you know, uh, L.A. type of yoga guru uh, kind of, you know, mentor or shit, you know, who lived in the valley or some sort of. I don't really see how this dude is the head coach of Diego Sanchez now. Wait, before I finish, I need to say that before I finish. Diego Sanchez is a weird dude. He's a weird guy. Since the beginning of his career, we know he's weird, and this is the end of his career. If he wants to be surrounded by weird person, be my guest. Who cares? It's his career. Let, let him be weird with weird people. Like, he wants to be surrounded with weird, with weird guys. Who, who are we to say, no, don't hang with this dude. Let him do what, what the fuck he wants to do. He wants exactly. to be surrounded with... Yeah, whatever. I don't believe that. He's not a young fighter. He's not being used. Listen, he's a grown man, and he, lo- he loves these weird shits. And then, okay, let him do whatever, what the fuck he wants to do.
1: That's my opinion. I'm not surprised at all, because if you, I, I mean, like, look at the shit that Diego Sanchez did at the Ultimate Fighter house, okay? And this is just a little snippet of his life. Like, I could only imagine what, like, his house looks like. You know what I'm saying? Like he's probably got Uh, all kinds of like weird kind of artwork and shit on the wall. Just like goofy shit, all kind of like sculptures and shit. I can only imagine. It's probably wild. He's probably just got like one room that's like a forest.
2: (laughs) He's weird. Listen, from the beginning he was a weird guy. Yeah. And we love him for that. And now people get to see What a real weird guy really looks like in the rest of, you know, for the rest of the day. He gets surrounded by weird dudes that would say weird shit. And that's
1: it. No, I don't know what people are surprised. I also understand there's no technique. There's nothing going, like, I could make a better assessment of a fight than he could. And I would be the first person to tell most fighters, like, I'm not the one you should be asking, but I can get you in touch with somebody or, you know, let's go and refer to somebody else's opinion and let's see what they think. And then we can go from there. Or You know what I mean? Like, I'll be the last person to be like, this is the end all be all. And this is how it's going to be because get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? I, I don't have any martial arts experience. Just like this guy doesn't have any martial arts experience. Like, sure, I've trained yeah. a little bit of jiu-jitsu, but I mean, I, I've never had a fucking professional fight. Never had an amateur fight. Like I have no means to say anything about it.
2: Like I believe that Diego Sanchez right now is in a weird place of his career where he thinks that he knows it all. He knows, you know. He said that he have you know no need for weight cut, no need for that. I believe that he thinks that he already he did it all. He kind of did. But kind of didn't because when you listen to other legends like the Royce Gracies and you know people who really are legends in this sport, they will—they are the first to tell you in this sport you never learn it all. Every time you need to learn, even at the end of the age of 75 or whatever, you're still learning.
1: Oh, for sure, 100%. Uh, it, but this is just yeah. a, a weird situation, and I don't understand it whatsoever. But on to some more current events, and these ones are not as weird. We're going to go with some huge, huge matchups that have been made. The number two featherweight in the world, Brian Ortega, will be taking on the number three featherweight in the world, Sabit Magomed Sharipov at UFC 249. That is in New York. That's probably be the co-main event for... The title fight, the lightweight title fight between Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson.
2: Amazing, amazing fight. Uh, I kind of, if I can like right now say something, uh, I will be very uh, interested to see the Zabit cardio because I yes. see him struggle every time he go to the third round. I wanted to see Zabit in a, in a five round fight, I believe this, kind of, you know, being a three-round fight would be good for him, but I wanted to see him in a five-round fight because I believe, really believe that he will get kind of exposed in Listen, the fourth and fifth round. if he rounds.
1: gets tired in that third round, he's going to get triangled.
2: Exactly, but, you know, if he wins the first and second round and, you know, he he's saved by the belt... He's say by the bell in the third round. He gets the W. So you know we have fighters like that. I,
1: I don't know, man. I, I really like. I mean, Brian Ortega. Obviously, he can box. Obviously, he's been stepping up his boxing. Yeah. You could see that in the Edgar fight. You've seen that in the Holloway fight. Even though Holloway was able to dismantle him, Holloway is just is just a pure yeah. striker. You know what I mean? But obviously, for the past what he hasn't fought since December of eighteen. So since then, the past yeah. all of two thousand nineteen, he's been working on his striking. I guarantee you. He's already a black belt yeah. in jiu-jitsu. He knows the ground game.
2: He already have good boxing. Don't forget that he's the first guy who ever finished uh, Frankie Edgar.
1: Yes, I was there. I'm literally yeah. looking at the poster as we speak. Oh, I really believe that, that Ortega will... Too. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. listen, listen. I really believe Ortega
2: will get the W against the beat. I believe that the beat is a good fighter, great fighter, but I don't see him beat the guy like Ortega. I believe Ortega is next level. I really think that.
1: I agree with you. I think Ortega is a huge threat, especially if Max Holloway decides that he wants to move to lightweight.
2: Yeah, definitely future, future champion.
1: No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> now, yeah. uh, the UFC Bantamweight champion Henry Cejudo will be defending his title against number seven ranked Bantamweight. Number seven. Jose Aldo at UFC 250. What do you think about this matchup, lead? And is it a little puzzling to you that the number seven bantamweight is getting a title shot over names like Aljamain Sterling and Petrino?
2: At the end of the day, I believe it's very logical and it makes sense for the Henry Cejudo reign because since day one, he won the belt in the fight that he didn't really win then he fought against T.J. in the division where T.J. wasn't really a fighter in it and then he won the second belt in the division that he doesn't really he didn't really fight the best you know so yeah it makes sense to fight Jose Aldo you know it makes sense that Ali Abdelaziz will give you those fights because at the end of the day nothing makes sense around Henry Cejudo title reign that's what I said and that's what I mean and I'm and I know that once he will get a real challenge, he will lose.
1: So are you saying that once he gets the Aljamain Sterlings and the Petrions, he's going to no longer be that Bantamweight champion of the world?
2: Maybe not uh, Aljamain Sterling, but the Peter Jan, yeah. And maybe the if Dominic Cruz come back, if he fights TJ in his real division, I don't see Henry Cejudo winning. Even a Cody Garbrandt, if Cody gets his shit together and stop acting, stop fighting like um, a fucking twelve-year-old, uh, I believe that he can really re-become, re-become champion. But uh, you know, he's he's really far right now from any title discussion.
1: Now, one man who is definitely in the thick of things is a longtime featherweight champion, Max Holloway, and he will be getting the first crack at Alexander Volkanovsky's UFC featherweight title, and that will be at UFC 251. How excited are you for that matchup? I
2: believe this is a great match. Uh, the first one was great, the second one will be even better, I believe.
1: Now, also on that card, I believe it's the Valentina Shevchenko versus Jojo Calderwood.
2: Yeah, it was confirmed, I believe, uh, today about the, the, the Valentina and Jojo fight. I believe it was confirmed today that it will happen, right?
1: Yes, that, that is a hell of a matchup. When you really look at those two, I really think they have been on a fucking collision course to face each other since the start of that flyweight division.
2: Yeah, it's a good matchup, but uh, listen. At the end of the day, I believe Valentina is uh, too too perfect.
1: I think Valentina's gonna beat anybody in the flyaway division right now. Yeah, but uh, listen. Let her be champion. Let her have that record.
2: We need records. Let her have, let her have that record that nobody will beat of title
1: defense. Exactly. I think. I mean, it's gonna take her. What? What is it? Uh, a, a ten? Yeah. Eleven. 10 or 11, something like that. So she's yeah, something like that. There. She's got a little ways there. She's at, what, 1, 2, 3, 3? Yeah. Well, she can get it. She can get it. Uh, she can get it. Really, she can. On to probably the most exciting matchup in my eyes. This or sorry, this year's International Fight Week will be headlined by the greatest welterweight that we have seen Probably in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Kamaru Usman will be taking on Jorge Masvidal at UFC 252. I'm only joking about that greatest one. He's probably the second greatest behind George (laughs) Pierre. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But anyhow, uh, it's a great fight. I believe that uh, that fight against Jorge is the fight that Kamaru really need to become the kind of star he wants to be because, listen... There are a lot of fighters that they need, you need a villain. You need someone, you know, to really push you hard. Colby did that good. Then I believe Masvidal would take it to the n- another level. And, you know, Anderson Silva had Chel Sonnen. You know, GSP had Nick Diaz. I believe that maybe Usman have Masvidal.
1: I think it's a great matchup. But my, my thing is, and I've been saying it forever, Usman's an ATT killer. He, he literally yeah. went on the Ultimate Fighter and beat their entire team. He won for yeah. the Black Zillions. He's, since he's yeah. been in the UFC, he's beaten every ATT guy that they've thrown at him. I believe it's like three. So uh, yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, if Jorge Masvidal doesn't beat him, they got like Sanzanigo, Ponzinibbio, and uh, that's about it. And then he'll have cleared ATT's entire welterweight division.
2: It's great uh, how, how professional of you. But listen, it's great that we have that rivalry between the, the camps, between the fighters, between everything. Everything makes sense
1: about this fight. No, 100%. It's going to be a good fight, too. I'm excited about it. Now, yeah. anything else in the current events this week, Wally Wall?
2: Uh, nothing. Uh, I believe in uh, particularly. Uh, I'm hoping not to hear about some fighters, you know, getting pulled out on the, you know, or uh, will not fight because of uh, an injury or some shit. I'm but, hoping you know not what? to hear anything negative.
1: This is the perfect opportunity. Let me ask you, current events. Let me ask you right now: boxing matchup this yeah. weekend, the probably the biggest heavyweight matchup we've seen in quite some time. Who do you have in yeah. the main event for this weekend? Deontay Wilder. Or Mr. Tyson Fury?
2: Oh, for this fight, I really have Tyson Fury. I believe that uh, Fury knows that he can take that wider punch. And I believe that now that he tasted it and, you know, he woke up like The Undertaker in that 12th round. I believe that Fury will box more. His boxing will be more intelligent. He will keep the distance and, you know, just outpoint him and win by points and by decision.
1: I think that's probably the best way to go about it, but we know it only takes one of those Brocks, Barmer's big left or right hands to take you out.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Listen, if he gets caught, I believe that's even wider. Like, if you tell me that you believe that's Wider knows what it takes right now to finish with Tyson Fury, I can agree with that too. I, I, can, I can agree with this point of view, but I believe that's a fighter that can, you know, Really manage the distance and have more chances to win than a guy with, uh, I would not say that's kind of disrespectful, but I don't mean it like that, a kind of lucky punch, you know what I mean?
1: One trick pony. No, No disrespect. All right, well no disrespect, just saying it. We're gonna get Richie Smolens on the line. He was on the ultimate fighter. He is now in Bellator. He's been completely undefeated in Bellator. If you he's got a fight this weekend in Dublin, Ireland. He's out of SBG Ireland with Conor McGregor and Pedro Cavallo, all of those guys down there. So we'll get him on the line here if in a second. As always, you're listening to Native MMA Radio.
4: This is Mike Rodriguez. You listen to Native MMA Radio. Bam! All
1: right, guys, joining me at this time is SBG Ireland's own Richie Smolens. How you doing today, Richie? Oh, it's great, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. Now, you have a fight this weekend against Albert Diaz, Bellator, Dublin. Man, how excited are you to finally get
3: back in front of that home crowd? I can't wait to get back in there. It's crazy. The, the feeling is crazy to get out and then to be training on Bellator after this fight. It's going to be even better. It's time then to start talking more money and bigger fights and bigger shows.
1: Yes, now hopefully Madison
3: Square, hopefully Madison Square Gardens is next. Is that is that what's on your list of arenas you'd like to fight in? That'd be my favorite. Like like said, so Tyson Ali, they all fought there. That'd be like that'd be like the the dream to fight there.
1: Like the Mecca. Also, too, they have the Forum. They come to you in LA. There's been a lot of great boxing matches at
3: the Forum as well. Any anywhere will do. I'm not, I don't I don't mind, but like. Madison Square Gardens is like, my it's like one. like the Mecca. I
1: think so as well. Excellent, man. Well, this week in Albert Diaz, you said you've had this opponent now for about a month. How much time, has that been enough time for you to fully prepare for
3: him? To be honest, I haven't even actually watched him. Uh, I just, I watched like a little tiny bit of my coach Danny, he just says like, He's coming from the stand-up. He wants to stand up. He's good on the ground as well. But Mm -hmm. I feel when it comes to the ground, there's no one going to match my level on the ground. So it'll just be fast in his face and take him down and submit him.
1: Now, is that something that you are used to? Do you not study a whole lot of your fighters or your opponents?
3: (laughs) No, not really, because I don't want to worry what they're good at. I want to worry what I'm good at. Does that make sense? No, yeah, you want to work on your own game plan. Yeah, I, I don't want to watch him too much and then worry about something. I'll just... Worry better than I, you know what I mean? Exactly. Let him throw and out on my stuff and see what happens.
1: Exactly.
3: And as well, people pull out as well, like, I was meant to fight Ranjit and he was meant to be a wrestler and now I'm mm-hmm. fighting a striker, so what's the point? Just focus on me, isn't it? Exactly.
1: And then also too, the evolution of a fighter within two, three, four months could be huge.
3: Oh, definitely. Like, you're not as good as your last fight, realistically. So, like, no one fights the same. I never fight the same. So, like, it's always kind of, evolving and learning new tricks and you know yourself it's it's hard to judge someone by their past fights
1: isn't it it's very hard most definitely Uh, I mean look at you in your career you've only lost once professionally that was against Luis Pena at the ultimate fighter finale and you've been on a tear at Bellator ever since is Bellator MMA are you really going to sink your teeth into this featherweight division
3: it's hard to know at the minute like it's just I have to try climb the ranks and see what happens, don't I? Uh, I've got two fights left on my contract down. We'll see what they want to do after that. And, then, I mean, who knows? It's a, it's a good time to be in the fight game. There's loads of big shows, loads of promotions, and we're a very big gym. So good coaches, good team. So a lot of options, but I'm really happy in Bellator, and I'm, I'm hoping they make me a big offer yeah obviously.
1: and then when you say good coaches over there i think that's a huge understatement especially when you talk about john cavanaugh and the mastermind he is with it when it comes to mma uh how is that to have somebody like that underneath you to know that you have him in your corner
3: at all times it's actually great to have john like he's a uh, he's always there he's always checking up on you. he's always making sure all is good so it's, it's great to have him there like my, my, there's John's the main coach. John's actually the only coach really for all of us. There we've got a boxing coach, David Jones, as well. But other than that, it's just John. John was all the MMA team, from amateurs to pro, from early pros to Conor McGregor. I mean? So he's a very good man, and he puts the same time into all of us, whether you're fighting on the regional circuit or in the UFC or Bellator. He's a great coach. Definitely.
1: uh it, it, who's all going to be in your corner this Saturday or Friday? Yeah, sorry.
3: It's, I was on Saturday. Weigh-in's on Friday. The fight's on Saturday, 22nd. Oh, okay, okay. The fight is Saturday. Right? Uh, it's going to be David Jones, my boxing coach, John Kavner, and my good friend, Artem Lobov.
1: Nice, so Artem, uh, man. How, and obviously, you guys have been training together for a very long time. Artem, uh, you used to corner Artem before you even made it to the Ultimate Fighter.
3: Yeah, me and Artem are friends a long, long time. Like, Artem cornered me in my very first amateur fight. Artem's helped me since day one. Like, people didn't even realize it. So it just make good friends. I think, like, I think this fight now on Saturday night is like our nineteenth or twentieth fight into those corners. Oh wow! You know what I mean? That's like, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of experience in the corners. You know what I mean? Definitely, and so, I mean,
1: it shows the the kinship that you guys have there at SPG. It's really more of a family than it is a team.
3: Yeah, it's it's a it's a good gym. It's great atmosphere in the gym as well. You have to come over and see it to believe it. You know what I mean? Most yeah, we to, yeah, we have to, have to experience it. Yeah, I, I've never
1: heard anything but great things coming out of SBG. I mean, obviously, you look at the mega star Conor McGregor that you guys have there. And even down to your amateurs, it's the type of, you know, leadership and skills that you guys all have and all show. It just really shows that that gym is, you know, instilling great values in you guys.
3: Yeah, there's like this, like John takes no messing. There's no egos. Everyone's equal. And, and John has it done proper. Like he runs, he runs a tight ship, and you can see by the results the team's doing great. You know what I, mean? I think John is like twenty-something guys signed to Bellator. I don't know how many, maybe ten at UFC, and then in Invicta, and all the shows that we've, fighters everywhere in the reading circuit. We've got some like serious amateurs coming through and early pros who will make the big state soon enough. So we got more names floating around.
1: Who are some of those names that
3: we might not know of now, but we should keep our eye on? I think the main one is Lee Hammond. He's a scary prospect. He's like uh, one of the best grapplers I've ever seen. A lot of guys what is he, what does a he weigh? Uh, hey about the same as me, about 70 kilos. He fights a featherweight as well. Oh, nice, nice. He's
1: the uh, uh, he's one to watch out for. It keeps you guys, especially iron sharpens iron. You guys have a ton of great featherweights and lightweights over there.
3: Yeah, definitely. The, the mo- most of our gym like, is kind of like lightweight. I mean, there's a few welters and that, but the majority, we are lightweight and fairweight. And Connor's down to fight anyone, yeah. anywhere. Yeah, that's, that's true. Anyway, anyone,
1: anywhere. Exactly. I want to talk about your Ultimate Fighter experience for a moment. You weren't able to actually fight on the show because your legs were cramping up, I believe. But you were able to make it onto the finale. Now, what was your experience while you were on the show like?
3: Uh, it was actually, I didn't mind it. I actually, to be honest, I got like rhabdomyosis. That's what I got on the show. So like uh, it caused cramping in my legs, but it was because like uh, my kidneys were blocked up. But it's a weird thing. Like it's a long thing. It's, it's my own fault. I got it from not eating properly and training. Like there's no calories, no, just loads of training. But my experience was great, the coaches, DC, you know, them were amazing. Even, like, the producers, it was, it was a great, I had a good time, like, pretty much I was such a, fire what happened, of course, but I had a good time. It was, it was a, would I do it again? Probably not. <laughs> would you advise the younger fighter to do it? i definitely, definitely. Just don't make my mistakes, you I mean, I was just running all the time, not eating at all, so I was just kind of, made myself sick and. It was my own fault. I still got to fight in the, ultimate, in the ultimate fire finale. I still wasn't better. It was a nightmare to make weight for that because I was so sick. If it wasn't the UFC, I wouldn't have fought that night, but just opportunity came to take it to me.
1: Exactly. Was, when
3: opportunity comes, you got to take it. Yeah. If there's any other shot, I probably would have said no, but for that, I had to say, I'll take it. I'd give it a shot.
1: Now, they were massaging your legs, and anyone that knows anything about fibromyalgia, that's actually
3: the worst thing you
1: could do, Correct.
3: Yeah, my doctor told me down, but no one knew what it was. Yeah. You know, I even i, I thought so I was like, my legs are cramp- I felt it all morning. My legs were crampy, and the more I walked on them, the, the tighter they got. I was like, "Oh, what's this?" I got them to rub it out. But my doctor back home told me that was the worst thing the day because they were pushing all this up into my kidneys.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It's like a, uh, it's like when the muscle breaks down it was into your bloodstream or something like that and it goes around your body. So, it wasn't good. <laughs> it was a very painful thing. I gained like the, the amount of weight I gained off of that. It was crazy. I was a little fat pudding walking around. <laughs> now, you were able to
1: make it to the finale in Las Vegas. How was it to fight in Vegas? It was
3: crazy. Like, Vegas is one of my favorites. I've been to Vegas, like three or four times now. I love Vegas. I'm hoping to fight there again one day to get a win there. You have to get a win in Vegas, don't you? Right, yeah, most Definitely. Yeah. It's a it's a crazy place. this the, the atmosphere, like the to the be there for a fight week the, all that was crazy. I think I was there for went out like ten days before the fight, so I had a good time and a good time, good experience, good show. The result didn't go my way, but it is what it is, isn't it? It's in the past now. I can't wing over it now. Yeah, was, but done.
1: even though you did lose that fight, you've looked phenomenal ever since. Like I've said, you're undefeated in Bellator. You've only lost that one
3: fight professionally. Uh, you've yeah, looked I'm phenomenal ever since. I, t- I took a bit of time off after that fight and it's got healthy and I was meant to fight after that uh I was offered a fight in September and in November of that year, but I just I said yes but I just didn't take the fight, just didn't fight because I didn't feel I didn't feel ready. Whether it was in my head I still had the sickness or whether I actually had the sickness I didn't know. So we said we went till February to the Dublin show and then I came back as good stab and I you knew I was fine then. I would have liked to be busier last year, but just the way it happened, I was trying to fight again in the summer, but just nothing, nothing happened for me. So now
1: 2020, 100% healthy,
3: Richie Smollens is ready to go. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to get four fights this year. I'd love every three months to be perfect. Even I, I'd take three. And one and of
1: those go. in New York.
3: One was in New York. That's, that's the, when, I, when I win on the 22nd, I'd be calling for that. Scott the gym, Coker, the make it happen. Yeah, that's the little one. That's my dream to fight there. I'd even fight for less money, there's to fight there. <laughs> <laughs> is
1: there a, an ideal opponent who you would like to see sometime this year? You don't have to have a venue um, or a date, but is there somebody who, in that 145 bit division you'd like to fight?
3: Oh, I don't really know anybody else, you? I'm just focusing on Albert Diaz now, and then I'm on a the to them, like, whoever, I'm sure if I fight no, it'll be a New York-based opponent, I don't really care who it is at this stage because, like, I'm... I know I've only, like, used my eighth pro fight, but, like, I've did more than most of so the 30 fights. I've found UFC, mm-hmm. fire Bellator. a better tour. I've only really fought in the bigger shows, so... I think I'm a lot more experienced than my record shows. So whoever, like, you know what I mean? Whoever they give me, they give me. I won't be saying no.
1: Yeah, you're most definitely more experienced than some guys. I mean... If you look at your record, I mean, you're what you still have under five or under 10 professional fights. And you've already fought, like you said, for big, huge promotions. The Ultimate Fighter, Bellator, Bama. I mean, huge is,
3: promotions. This is, yeah, this is my third Bellator fight. So I'm just lucky. See, it's a good coach, good gym. So, like, you'll always get, like, better opportunities, better shows. Now, what
1: do you like? We know what you like inside the cage. What do you like outside of the cage?
3: Just relaxed. You know and I mean? All the do is I go to the gym and I train all week and then I don't really see my daughter till the weekend or my girlfriend's in. Mm-hmm. But she works the weekend as well. But like the weekends and it's just daddy time really. It's going to the zoo where it's going to the, the a place down road called Kiora. It's like small baby I'm like a petting zoo kind of thing. So that's it. it. That's how all. your daughter it's, now? Yeah, she's two and a half now. so She's getting I'm everything. I'm hoping I... Yeah, everything she talks, she talks, answers back everything now, so it's, <laughs> that's all I deal with, but I'm not training on her and with my girlfriend, I mean, that's, I have no social life. <laughs> so, it.
1: how have you been able to balance being able
3: to, pr- being a professional fighter and a father at the same time? Yeah, it's having a good partner, isn't it? Like, uh, she does all that. she always did all the nice feeds, she always did everything, she does all the hard stuff, like. I leave the house at 9 a.m. in the morning and i not get back till 10 p.m. because I live an hour drive from the gym, so I was chilling in the gym all day. So just having an understanding partner, isn't it? You know what I mean? It'll be all worth it one day when I have the big house and the big gym. Exactly. It'll be all worth it then.
1: Now, what are your aspirations
3: after you hang up your gloves? You said you want to own a gym, possibly? Yeah, when I when I do hang up my gloves, I want to own a gym. I want to have my own wave of fighters and mean make a, make a better make better fighters than I was. I mean like you should always make the situation better than you. So I'd love down to do in my my hometown and Where is that? Arklow. It's about an hour from Dublin so And
1: that's where you live where at currently, I'm,
3: correct? That's where I live so I'm from, yeah. I'm born and raised here so I like it here. So like an an hour to use is nothing in America, but an hour does is a long time. <laughs> <laughs> like an hour to use doesn't mean anything. No, for sure, it's like an everyday commute. Yeah, now it is for me now, but like for most people, it's like ah, oh, it's too that. far.
1: <laughs> now, uh, for your fight, are you going to be staying at home, or are you going to be staying at a hotel and you know near the arena?
3: Uh, I have to go to fighter check in on Thursday, mm-hmm. so I'll be in the hotel Thursday and Friday and Saturday. So Thursday, I'll be just making weight. Friday's weigh in day. And actually, the hotel's right beside the arena as well, so it's nice. Oh, it it's makes just, it convenient. And, oh, it does, it's much better. And then Saturday's fight day, so I was just kind of chill out and wait, isn't it? You know what I mean, if that's, Saturday's kind of a weird day because you have weird feelings, but you know you're going to fight, and your stomach's in a weird way. It's hard to explain yeah. what it is. It's like you're excited and nervous, <laughs> you just want to get there and get it done. I said so the clock stops, like, okay, I'm fighting, I say this time, and hours ahead are stuck there. It's a crazy day, but it's uh, it's great when it's all over. It's great to look back at it and have a look at it.
1: Now, do you have any plans uh, directly after the fight? Do you have after party or just hang out with the family, go to dinner,
3: or anything like that? <laughs> no, I, I literally, uh, I think the show starting quite early this Saturday, so I'm hoping to be able to go collect my daughter from my granny's house and go home and get a pizza.
0: Excellent. Like uh,
3: literally after, after I watched Sean Tobin in September, uh, like I literally go home watch the main card on TV. Take <laughs> like my daughter. I think I think we had chippers. I think, and then we went home. And what kind of pizza? Watched, uh, me feast. Nice. I'm not put. Any anything will anything will do. Like, but I remember in Vegas, I kept going to Secret Pizza. Yeah. In you know, that place in the
1: cosmopolitan. Yeah, I, I was literally there this
3: like two days ago. Yeah, there. And all actually, all pizza in Vegas is good. And in that New Yorker hotel. Pizza's good there as well, yes, but that one in the cosmopolitan head. is amazing. Yeah, once once
1: you beat the cues, yeah, for sure. That line was ridiculous there. Well, I was really drunk, so I don't really remember the line too much. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza made it all worth it. Pizza made it all worth it. Now, uh, for your fight, like, you uh, do you stay around 145 pounds or do you uh, just drop a lot of weight? How's that work? How's your weight cut?
3: And yeah, no, my weight cuts pretty non Like, I pretty much wake up on weight most of the time. Nice. Now, like, I wake up and easy. I, I kind of die for like eight weeks, and eight week strict camp, like, uh, make it easy on myself just so I, I don't damage my body anymore. Yeah. So it's just keeping everything healthy. But no, I'll have a pretty easy cut, maybe a kilo or two, maybe if even. Hopefully not, but at maximum a kilo or two.
1: Now, do you work with some kind of a dietitian or is that some kind of a meal prep that you guys worked out at SPG or you're on your own? Uh, no,
3: I work with Lockhart and Leet. Okay. Especially Tristan especially Tristan Kennedy. He's like the Lockhart and Lee Darling guy. He's a main guy over here, so he's checking weight every day this week and he's at me and upping my water, dropping my water and he's kinda of, he knows the stuff, like he's one of the best. He's always with Connor as well, so he's got like plenty of experience. And what kind of meals does he have ready for you? Like I got them often for today and yesterday and tomorrow like a it's good, like this chicken Vegetables, rice—it's all like it's all way down and calorie controlled, block the weight off I me. Mean, like you feel full, you feel fresh, and you're still dropping weight. You know what I mean? It's like back when I was making weight, when I started off, it was just like chicken and up or starving for a week. <laughs> but now, now we're now we're actually eating, so it's good. Now, you know what I mean? You're all just it makes life more enjoyable. Pushing one vegetable across the plate with your fork. Yeah, debating, to eat it or not
1: <laughs> <laughs> Cut it in half so you have more pieces.
3: Yeah, something like that
1: so weight's good everything's on point anything else any last words for this one what is your prediction no. for Saturday night
3: a very fast paced fight as soon as this fight starts I'm coming straight at him and uh, gonna just hit him they'd be, be surprised like yeah my strikings came on leaps and bounds I was over in Holland with Elise Boulade
2: mm-hmm.
3: like you probably heard of him like, he's one of the best kickboxing fighters on the planet my boxing coach puts a lot of time into me David Jones so like who knows, I could crack him and drop him, who knows, you know what I mean? Exactly.
1: But if, if I don't,
3: if, if I don't crack him and drop him straight away, we'll be taking down and submitting him. There, so yeah, that's my thing. You, I, you
1: have I'm very underrated it. submission skills and grappling skills.
3: Yeah, um, I don't think any anymore. I mean, grappling, like, a, what do I have? I think I'm five wins, four finishes, you know what I mean? So I do go to finish. Uh, so I will be, like, going to submit him. I think when he hits the ground, I'm too much for most people. And I will submit him and, strangle him or rip his leg off who knows whatever mistake he makes I'll capitalize on now when
1: would you like to fight next two three months I know you said four times this year do you have like a certain amount like I want to get in before two fights before July
3: Uh, well I'm not exactly too sure when the New York card is I think that might be June Mm -hmm. but I know in London there's a better tour show in May 16th so I'll be calling for that one as well whichever one I get I'll take won't be too fussy
1: Right, it's excited I either,
3: either way. Yeah, just focus on Albert now. Beat Albert, then go home, reevaluate, look to go again. You know what I mean? Look to go again.
1: Didn't you spend some time in
3: London? Yeah, I lived in London when I was younger. How was that? So, uh, it was uh, different. It was. Uh, I came. I think it was like eighteen when I went over. I was over there working for a year and a bit. So it was a different experience, but. It grew me up, and I came back then. I started training full-time with John when I was 19, so I haven't looked back since. So it it really fed you into get. It was really
1: the best thing. It brought you right back to John Cavanaugh.
3: Yeah, it did. I mean, it was... It's growing up, wasn't it? I mean, that stage of... you got to you find
1: yourself, you know, when you're, when you're that age. You have to be able to stand on your own in two feet.
3: Definitely. Just a wake-up call. I mean, life isn't that easy
1: on your own. Yeah you don't got mom and dad paying bills no more
3: no still no. unfortunately
1: <laughs> now uh, before i let you go brother i want to give you a quick opportunity to shout out your sponsors teammates loved ones anyone that's really helped you along your mma
3: journey i was gonna shout out my coaches and my teammates and my girlfriend really you know what i mean like uh, all my sponsors also as well but especially my coaches and spg and my team and spg like they're the ones pushing me on and My girlfriend making life easy, you know what I mean? Not bothering me, letting me train all the time, looking after my daughter. I have no worries, you know what I mean? Yeah. I have a perfect, it's been the perfect camp. Everything's been perfect, and I'm going to go and smash this guy on Saturday night. That's nice. And then uh, get a pizza.
1: Makes everything super easy, especially when you have that light at the end of the tunnel. You got a nice big pizza waiting for you at home. I can't wait. Now, (laughs) do you know where on the card you guys are going to be? Have they told you guys yet, or you probably
3: won't know until you check in? Uh, I know I'm on the prelims. Uh, I should be on the main card, really, but I'm <laughs> on the prelims. Uh, I'm not too sure where I am. I think I'm like fifth or sixth fight, maybe. They haven't, they haven't released it yet. But I'm just kind of going by what I've seen online. Like a lot of them news reporter sites are fairly right. You know what I mean? Mhm. They get the information somewhere. Someone tells them something. Exactly. Someone knows something. <laughs> exactly. There's always a, there's always something behind it. Now where? No Bert-
1: where can the fans find you on social
3: media? Uh, Instagram, I'm Richie Smullen, and Twitter, Facebook, it's all the same, nice and simple, just my name. Excellent. Richie Smullen. Uh, my fight will be live on the Bellator app 100%, so they'll be able to catch me on that as well and watch me go to six and one and one perfect
1: thank you again for your time richie i appreciate it uh, again he's fighting albert diaz this saturday bellator dublin as he just said it's live on bellator's facebook page thank you again for your time brother and we can't wait to watch you on saturday night
3: Thanks. thank you
1: have a good day man have a good
4: day you too hey this is big joe Hurst, and you listen to native mma radio
1: welcome back knuckleheads that was a great interview with richie smallins Uh, A lot of information I did not. I didn't know him and Artem were as close as he said they were. So uh, a lot of great information from him. But on to this Auckland, New Zealand card UFC Fight Night 168. That's UFC on ESPN Plus 26 for those of you keeping track at home. It is headlined by a lightweight matchup, Paul Felder versus Dan Hooker. We're going to start at the very beginning of the card. Women's Flyweight Division Priscilla Cri is going in against Shanna Dobson now Shanna was on the ultimate fighter Priscilla as you remember she was the very first opponent that Valentina Shevchenko fought at 125 pounds and she was absolutely annihilated if you remember wally wall
2: uh yeah any any like the Shanna Dobson uh, is kind of a family of uh, John Dobson uh, I don't think so Okay, okay, they kind of look the same, so I thought that maybe she's his sister or whatever. All right. Anyhow, uh,
1: I don't
2: really recall the event that you were talking about. Can you can you um, talk to 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 us about it more?
1: Okay, so Valentina Shevchenko, uh, I believe she landed like 400 significant strikes. It was Mario Yamasaki's very last fight that he refereed in the UFC. Priscilla got literally obliterated for three rounds.
2: Oh, okay. Now, now now, I remember it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I remember it. Yeah. So, yeah. This is a good fight. Uh, yeah. But too bad that we have that Tyson Pedro fight getting canceled, but yeah.
1: Dude, I, I'm a huge Tyson Pedro fan. If you listen to this show, you know that. I want to get him on this show. I have uh, a lot of shit I think him and I would love to discuss. But in yeah. the welterweight division... My, uh, Mackie Pitolo is taking on Takashi Saito. That is a great matchup. Both twenty-nine years old, both five foot eight, and the only thing that there is a difference is Mackie has a two-inch reach advantage.
2: Yeah, a very even kind of matchup when you see the the record and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, this is good. This is a good fight. I believe that's.
1: Takashi uh, Saito could take a punch, but Mackie Pizzolo it has very heavy hands. Coco Bombs is what they call him. He is very dangerous with his hands. I'm telling you, I, I, it could be quick.
2: Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so, this is a good fight. Um, good way to start the card. Um, I hope this card will, be, will deliver, not like the, the last one.
1: <laughs> In the women's strawweight division, one of my uh, favorite fighters, I've been trying to get her on the show for quite some time, a phenomenal kickboxer, Luma Luke Lukbunmi. She is amazing, 24 years old. She is taking on Angela Hill this week, and obviously I'm going to be going with the kickboxer, Luma. She is a little shorter by an inch. She has a little smaller reach advantage, but I feel like she's always used that to her advantage with her speed, just like John Dotson does.
2: Yeah, uh, this is a good matchup. I believe that I don't know if Angela Hill. I believe she lost his last fight. I don't know how many. Maybe she. I don't remember. I don't recall her record right now. But uh, if she gets a loss again, that maybe she will get cut from the UFC.
1: I believe. No, she won her last two fights. Then she she lost a fight. Then she won a fight. Then she lost a fight. Yeah, it's always
2: win, <laughs> lo- Yeah, it's always kind of win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. So for her, I hope that she will get the win. Then again, we will see. Uh, like you said, uh, Luma is a great kickboxer, so interesting fight. Uh, interesting, interesting fight. Interesting matchup.
1: Yeah, uh, she trains out there at Tiger Muay Thai. Obviously, she's been to city co- kickboxing for a little bit. Just a, a very, very good striker, a well-rounded fighter. In the flyweight division, Kai Kira France is taking on Tyson Nam. And obviously, if you listen to this show, I'm very big on Kai Kira France. A Very big, pretty much anybody out of City Kickboxing. But Kai Kira France, I really feel like, is going to be the cream of the crop in that flyweight division. He's only 26 years old at this point. Tyson Nam, 36 years old. So 10 years the elder uh, but Kykira France has almost just as many fights. He's got 28 fights to Tyson Nam's. Oh no, sorry, he's got more than Tyson Nam. Yeah,
2: more,
1: kind of more. Yeah. Yeah, he's got two more fights than Tyson Nam. So uh, even yeah. though Tyson Nam it has 10 years on him, of France has a more veteran fighting experience, and he's got the one inch reach advantage. He's got he gives up three inches in height. I really feel like his striking is very well rounded. He's uh, he he, he can grapple. He's not the greatest grappler. He's not going to be you know catching anybody in a triangle uh, you know off his back on a slick submission anytime soon. But he definitely can put it together.
2: Yeah, it's a good match. I believe that this flyweight needs fighters like that. They are very explosive, and you know when you watch a flyweight fight, you I don't see an too much. Boring flyweight fights because there's so much you know people fighters are very active and you know We have a lot of strikes a lot of shit happening. So yeah, it's an interesting matchup to Interesting matchup and interesting fight
1: No 100% I feel like this entire card is matched up very well in the welterweight yeah. division Callan Porter is taking on Kenan song now, I don't know a whole lot about these two fighters. Kellen is 35 years old, 6 foot, 170 pounds, 72-inch reach advantage. Kenyon Song is almost virtually identical. Uh, he only drops a half an inch, and he's four years younger. Sorry, six years younger.
2: Yeah, uh, this is, again, another, another interesting matchup. I think Matthews is a great fighter. Uh, no, no, sorry, I'm not sorry, Matthews. Yeah. Uh, Colin Porter, Porter yeah, yes. yeah, I, I just... Yeah, Skip the yeah, no, yeah, 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 just to try to say Porter, I I read Matthew, so yeah, Porter is a good, good, good fighter, uh, another interesting matchup, I believe that this matchup are between fighters, like you don't really see uh, a clear winner, like sometimes you have fights that you you know who's a not coming fighter and you know you really think that they, they are giving him this guy, but UFC don't really do that too much not like in boxing or other uh, Like MVP in balance or but yeah, this is interesting <laughs> kind of even matchup.
1: Yeah, 100 uh, percent.
2: I, listen I, if I if I'm you know, if I was a gambler, I would not bet in this on uh, this card because it's too tight Like
1: Yes, there's uh, very yeah. a lot of evenly matched fighters Now yeah. we're gonna get to that fight that you wanted to talk about in the welterweight division Ah-halla. Matthews versus Emil Mech uh, that is a great matchup. And Mel as you know, always bring it. Don't yeah. look at his 9-4 and four record. I mean, he always brings it. Jake Matthews is 15-4. and Mel uh, Mech's got an inch and a half reach advantage. Mel uh, Mech, the older of the two by six years. Jake Matthews is only 25 years old. It's crazy to think that he's only 25 years old because I feel like we've seen yeah. him in the UFC for at least over the last five, six years
2: yeah i agree with you like uh, i always remember matthews being part of the ufc i remember and, uh, him from the old
1: em- fighter smashes
2: yeah and the true viking uh, emil uh, meek like he's uh, a true viking everybody loves to see him fight he's part is kind of part of this group like him and uh, nico price and you know those kind of fighters you always want to see fights
1: no, one hundred percent. This is going to be a great matchup, but I really think Jake Matthews is going to edge up this one. I I have high hopes for him in this welterweight division. He's so young that he really hasn't even come close to his prime yet.
2: Yeah, potentially, maybe fight of the night, maybe.
1: Ooh, ooh, I don't know. There's some great matchups in that main maybe. Of the card. Now, yeah, maybe. the main event for the preliminary portion, Jalen Turner is taking on Joshua Kalibao. Now, Joshua is... as a professional, but he has never fought at the lightweight division. He is taking this fight on short notice to make his UFC debut against the very talented Jalen Turner. Now, Jalen is obviously the much bigger fighter. This is obviously his natural weight class. Jalen is 6'2 to Joshua's 5'8. Jalen has that long 77-inch reach advantage to Joshua's 73-inch reach. Now, Wally, I ask you, do you think Jalen is going to utilize that 4-inch reach to make sure that he can get the victory in this fight on Saturday night? Uh,
2: I'm not sure about that. Um, uh, he should if he wants to get the W. But just the fact that having this fight being the main event of uh, the, the, the prelims and not, you know, the Matthews fight is kind of, I'm not say weird, but... I believe that it's almost to something, I believe that Joshua maybe is some kind of uh, future prospect or people think that, or Dana White think that maybe he's a, a future big thing. I don't know, I'm not sure about that. It's very interesting. I didn't think that this fight will be the main event of this uh, in the prelims.
1: Yeah, no, it is. I think it's a great matchup. Obviously, I'm really high on Jalen Turner, but I, I did a little research on Joshua and I yeah. really feel like he is going to be a big, big, big threat in that 145-pound division.
2: Yeah, I believe there's a reason why he is the main event, I believe, yeah. So, yeah, uh, very interesting, very intriguing. I think that, uh, I, I will, for sure, I will not miss this
1: fight. No, for sure. In the featherweight division, to start off the main card, Kevin Aguilar is taking on Zabara Tukhagov. Now, uh, Zabara, that, he was in the uh, Connor Melee, correct? Okay. Exactly. Zubara was
2: part of the dude. Yeah, he was suspended. UFC wanted to fire him. Yeah, and K- Habib said, "You don't mess with my with my dudes," and uh, they said, "Okay, we will let him fight."
1: <laughs> when the king speaks, you listen.
2: Listen, Habib, you don't touch to his brothers. I really understand the, the way he thinks because we we're kind of like that in Algeria. But yes. yeah. And he's a good fighter. Zabara is a good fighter. He's, he's not very, that Khabib talented. level, but he's a good fighter. He's talented. He, he, years he old. always delivers. Yeah. Yeah. Good fights. He delivers good fights. So,
1: yeah. He got a lot of experience, too. Well over 20 fights in his career. You know what I mean? He, he's he's done a lot in his MMA career. In the lightweight division, Brad Riddle is taking on Magomed M- Mustafov. Mustafa, Mustafa, Mustafaev, Mustafa. Mustafaev, Mustafaev, Mustafa, Mustafa. Mustafa. when you, you can't you know, even say, you, we gotta
2: you already heard the name Mustafa, right, you already heard that name, Mustafa, yeah, Mustafa <laughs> is <laughs> very, it's a very common name in Africa, but when you take this name and you go to those kind of Russian countries, it becomes which is weird. It's kind of weird.
1: What do you think about this fight up against Brad Riddle? And then do you like the matchup between these two?
4: Uh, Listen,
2: those are the Russian uh, buddies of Habib. So they are, uh, I believe, very very interesting. I always love to watch one of them, those Dagestani fighters, because I know that they will deliver. And I know that... The fight will, you know, they will go 100% and they will try to kill. So it's amazing. It's a good fight. Uh, Brad Riddle, I hope for him that he's ready for a fight because I know that Magomed will, will will bring the fight.
1: No, 100%. I mean, obviously, he's got a great wrestling prowess. As you say, he fights with the Dagestanis up there. So he trains with Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, I'm yeah. really, I believe he's at ATT right now.
2: Not sure. I'm not sure about that, but maybe. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of uh, Dagestanis right now in the UFC, so
3: no, for be sure. killing
2: it, to...
1: killing it right now. Yeah. In the heavyweight yeah, division, Ben Solis is taking on Marcus Rogério de Lima. Now, Ben Solis, so Soli, so Soli is a big name yeah. in australia he has done huge things out there he gives up a little bit of a reach advantage to marcos rogerio de lima but i really feel like he's going to come out with the victory being the shorter smaller fighter i think he's going to be able to get on the inside and deliver some of those huge power punches that we know he can
2: yeah in a card that we had we had like a lot of uh, fighters from the small division to have a fight like that in, from the big boy division, the heavyweights, I really like that because you know it's kind of like a break you have, Like you know, so you have small fighters, very technical, and then you have two big dudes that will go out and you know will try to take their head each other, so I really like this. I like this way of uh, putting cards, so very well, interesting, sure. uh, we we'll keep the, the card kind of you know uh, being interesting, you will not sleep uh, between five. So, yeah, I, I, I like that.
1: Another great matchup, women's strawweight division. Karolina Kokevich is taking on Yai Yan Zayanan. Now, um, I just butchered her name again. Yeah. She is a very talented strawweight. You might not know her name. You might think that she's not going to do great because she's going up against somebody like Carolina Kokevich. But let me tell you what this young lady can fight.
2: Yeah, she can fight. And listen, Carolina, I was kind of disappointed. I'm, I'm a huge fan of her. I was kind of th- disappointed with her performance against uh, Alexa Grasso because she didn't take the fight to the ground. And you know, people will say, yeah, she's a Muay Thai fighter. But against Felicia Herrick, she took the fight to the ground and she looked good. She, looked she really, yeah, she looked great. And I believe that she have, she have, she have learned a lot of stuff from, uh, from grappling and ground games. Use it. Use it against her. If you see that the striking is not working, that she's out striking you, take her to the ground. You have the like you have the potential. You have the quality for it. So yeah, it will be. It's an interesting matchup. I believe Carolina fights. Also, every fight there's no boring fights of her. So yeah, good good matchup.
1: One hundred percent. Now in the co-main event, Jimmy Crew is taking on Michael. Michal, yeah, well, he's
2: Michal, Michal, the Emperor, the something Emperor. I don't remember his nickname, but I remember me and you his talking nickname. about his, his first, his first UFC fight, the Lord, yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah, the Lord, the Emperor, the Lord, whatever. I remember me and you talking about his first UFC fights. It was kind of our one of the, our first episodes in the podcast. Very interesting to see him, you know, and the dude. Was in the fucking prelims of some random card. Right now he is in the co-main events. Right. You see that fighter sometimes. Yeah, it's still is 25 year old. Is in the co-main events in very interesting cards. So sky is the limit for the dude and that light heavyweight division right now. Everybody's watching it. Everybody's you know taking a look at it. So. A I big win for him right now can be huge.
1: Have the eyes on this matchup because of how young both these guys are. Twenty three for Crew. Exactly. Michelle's only twenty four. That they're almost virtually identical. Crew has a you know two inch reach adv- or two inch height advantage, but that doesn't really tell you anything in a fight. Jimmy Crew has yeah. power. Uh, Michelle has power. How's Michelle's grappling?
2: Uh, I believe it is. He's okay. I believe that he's kind of a well-rounded fighter in every aspect. I but, believe Jimmy
1: uh, Striking is way better than his grappling. So if Michelle can get this fight to the yeah. ground, it might benefit him. But I don't think he wants to stand with Jimmy Crue. I think it's it's kind of,
2: of an even matchup between those two fighters. And the, the guy that put on a lot of pressure and really will try to take the, the octagon control will win
1: this fight. You know what? I don't know, but these fights, they look like they're going to be exciting, but sometimes they turn out to be really fucking boring.
2: Yeah, but the main event, dude, I don't think that you will be boring.
1: Oh, man, the main event, it looks amazing. Paul Felder, the Irish Dragon, and Dan Hooker. Obviously, Paul Felder does not put on a bad performance. The 35-year-old native from Milwaukee is going to go to Auckland to take on Auckland, New Zealand's own Dan Hooker. So, I mean... Dan Hooker fighting in his hometown, 75-inch reach to Felder's 70.5 reach. So, Hooker has a a 4.5-inch reach advantage that he's going to look to take advantage of this weekend against Felder. But Felder, you know, is a great kickboxer, so we'll see. We will see. It'll be an awesome matchup. It's going to be striking. I don't see a whole lot of groundwork. I would love to see five rounds. I don't think we see the judges, though.
2: I, I agree with you. I don't think we see. I don't think that we'll have an early finish, but maybe we will have someone on the line. Maybe in the third or fourth round a finish. I predict blood. I predict chaos because those two fighters really their striking is kind of very high level. And Paul Felder loves to have a blood battle. You know, he loves that fucking you you punch me, I punch you kind of fight. So everybody, I think everyone everyone will enjoy this fight.
1: No, I'm super excited for this. I feel like Paul Felder has a kickboxing advantage, but I think that Dan Hooker is going to be victorious. I think he's going to come at or stay in Auckland and uh, keep that W going. Now, he just knocked out James Vick. If he beats Paul Felder dramatically, he could be a two wins away from a title shot easily in that division.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you will need to pass, you know, the likes of Justin Gagey, and you will need to pass a big test, Conor McGregor, before even trying to fight one of those two two killers that are going against each other in, in April.
1: But Dan Hooker's looked good against everybody except Barbosa. If Paul Felder can take a, you know, chip out of Barbosa's b- book and just completely do that and just follow that game plan, I feel like, you know... Felder's going to get the W. I think Hooker's learned from that already, though.
2: Yeah, uh, th- that's, that's the problem. Dan Hooker is a fast learner. I believe that he learned from his mistakes in that fight. And uh, very dangerous. Uh, Dan Hooker, tremendous fighter. Paul Felder, too. Those two fighters will be champion in any other organiz- organization other than the UFC, I think. 100%. Uh, yeah, no... There's no drama. Nobody. I know that if they quit the UFC, they will be champion in any other, uh, any other place. And so it's a very interesting matchup.
1: Now, anything else on a UFC Fight Night one sixty eight? Felder versus Hooker. Uh, the main event
2: looks amazing. Carolina's fight is intriguing. Uh, the co-main events. Who knows? Maybe those two can be kind of the the. Yeah, maybe it can be maybe the next Johnny Walker or whatever, you know, big, you know, up-and-comer in this division. The main event of the the prelims, kind of interesting to have those two guys fighting as, as the main event. So Especially maybe we need to watch
1: Josh's yeah. debut.
2: Yeah, so we need to see that
1: fight very uh, really closely. So, yeah, very excited about this card. Super excited. It's going to be a great card. And it'll be over in time for us to watch that Wilder Fury main event because we know it's the only boxing fight we care about on Saturday night.
4: Yeah, exactly.
1: Now, up next, we got Tim Johnson, Timmy Bear. Now, him and I are most likely going to get into some Vikings football. We'll talk a little fight night. He has a fight this weekend. Bellator 239 out of Thackerville, Oklahoma, so he probably walked around the whole town in about five minutes. He's probably seen it all about three times, and uh, he's probably really, really waiting to get this interview rolling. <laughs> yeah, As exactly. always, we're going to take a quick station identification, you're listening to Native MMA Radio.
2: This is Jason the Specimen Sorez, and you're listening to Native MMA Radio.
1: All right, guys, joining me at this time is Bellator heavyweight Tim Johnson. How are you doing, Tim? Uh, doing
0: good. Just relaxing in the hotel room, waiting for a fight.
1: <laughs> you got a fight this Saturday. How excited are you to be finally stepping back into that Bellator cage?
0: I'm uh, pretty excited. I was ready to go. Um, you know, I, had my body been ready to go, I, I would have made a quick turnaround and fought right away. But, you know, sometimes just has got to let the body heal up. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely ready to get back in there.
1: Now you had a last-minute opponent switch last time. You were originally scheduled to face one guy, went in there and fought uh, Vitali Minnikoff. Tell me, how was that whole experience for you? Um,
0: it was a definitely once in a lifetime or once in a fighting career uh, right. thing. Um, and you know, uh, talking to you know that got brought up quite a few times already this week. Um, talking to people and they're like, "Oh, what was your mindset of it?" I'm like, "Well." You know Vitaly Minikoff, I've always been a fan of. I've always considered him one of the top three heavyweights in the world. No matter no matter the organization, um, that guy's a beast. And you know, um, you got to seize opportunities when they come across your way. Um, and you know, that's uh, don't want to be looking back thinking, God, I should have taken that fight.
1: <laughs> no, of course not. Now looking forward, how do you plan? You know, get the keys to victory on Saturday night.
0: Um. You know, just kind of got to implement any kind of game plan that I have. Um, uh, Tyrell's, I uh, think, I'm, I'm thinking they're thinking I'm going to be trying to really grind or try to wrestle, and he's thinking that his wrestling is going to be, um, be able to handle anything that I give. Uh, but, you know, in seeing any of his fights, he doesn't really use his wrestling. Um, he, he obviously has it, but he hasn't used it yet. Um, so I think he just kind of he holds that in his back pocket until he absolutely needs to use it. And if he needs to use wrestling on me, I guess the fight's going going in my way. My, my way.
1: Now, for sure, let's talk about your wrestling. You were a collegiate wrestler. When did you start wrestling originally?
0: Yeah, no, I started wrestling when I was about, uh, I think about four or five years old. So, it's, you know, parents got me into it and just started doing it right away.
1: <laughs> and did you do something that you fell in love with right away, or is it did it take time to grow on you?
0: I always, I always enjoyed it, um, and and then uh, kind of got that when you got that seventh grade, you had to make decision to do basketball or wrestling. You know, all the friends were doing basketball, so it was kind of tough. But I made, I think I made the right des- uh, decision to go with wrestling. Uh, I don't like a sport where you can get penalized for being too physical, uh, so uh, I think I definitely went that way. But. Um, throughout like high school wrestling I just did I mean I wasn't like a passion like a love for uh, football I, I was more of a football guy than a wrestling guy
1: <laughs> it's funny that you brought it up that you had to make that decision because I, I always talked to my son and I said my biggest regret in high school was playing basketball instead of wrestling I should have wrestled and its yeah. funny that you say that because it's my literally biggest regret for coming out of high school
0: <laughs> yeah, no it's you know it's tough you know you see all your friends but I um, you know, my parent and my dad kind of said, he's like, well, you know, you can, you can ride pine with your friends. Or you can go out there and compete. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. <fair> <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, uh, how did you realize that, you know, like you were going to take this wrestling into the next level
0: and, you know, make that leap to the collegiate level? Um, actually I didn't, I wasn't going to wrestle in college at all. Uh, I went to college to play football. Um, at a ju- I went to Juco, um, because I didn't, you know, I didn't even think I was going to go to college, let alone freaking graduate from it. Uh, but uh, so I went to someone leading up high school. I didn't take any of the right classes or any of that. And then I was like, OK, well, I'm actually doing doing all right. Um, so went to a junior college and for football and they changed my positions up on me. And I you know it wasn't very fun. Kind of kind of sucked at my new positions. And um, uh, that following and then football team was over. The wrestling coach came up to me. He's like, hey, man. Want to come uh, come up for a wrestling team? Like, yeah, maybe, yeah. So he harped on me a little bit, and I showed up to wrestling practice and kind of got a little fire under me again. And then I uh, ended up following the year didn't go up for football and ended up wrestling.
1: Kind of the rest is history. What kind of transitioned you from wrestling into MMA now?
0: Uh, well, that was uh that transition was like I finished uh, let me see uh, two years at JUCO, then I went I joined the military, and so I went to basic training, AIT, all uh, Came back to guard um then went back to school so i took uh, like two years in between there and i went back to uh, d2s uh Morehead state and i wrestled there and there was a couple of area heavyweights that were doing mma um uh one name was like zach thumb he was a wrestler and then uh chris uh, chris Tusher, uh he was in the he, he fought in the ufc he was uh one of brock's main training partners um they were in the area of training and they just after i got done wrestling they, they asked me to come in and and just be a, a big body, you know, big bodies are hard to come by. They're like, Yeah, you don't have to worry about the yeah. about the fighting or any of that So I Just just roll around a little bit. Uh, so I did and like I think seven weeks after I started training, I took my first fight, my first pro fight. <laughs> your first so you jumped so, right into the pro ranks. Oh yeah, I, I I didn't even know how to throw a punch. I honestly so being honest yeah, being honest with you, I still didn't know how to throw a fucking punch going into my first UFC fight. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I had no, like I wasn't comfortable striking at all. Like I was the world's worst striker, probably. <laughs>
1: so when did you officially like become comfortable with your hands?
0: now maybe i don't know <laughs> no i i just i gotta i say a little prayer before i throw any kind of punch and i like i hope it hits its mark
1: <laughs> I hope it pray. lay and pray
0: <laughs> yeah well at
1: least you got that great wrestling obviously it got you far enough correct yeah no that's
0: and that's kind of all my you know my first like five six fights was no striking it was all all i did was wrestle because i didn't i didn't really train the right way i didn't like I tell people, I'm like I really didn't start really training or practicing like striking or MMA until like 2014. Like I, I was just went out there and wrestled people.
1: <laughs> and obviously now you're you're still in Vegas, correct, Shrim Couture? Yep, yep, still in Vegas. at okay. Couture. How is that, man?
0: Uh it's the guys that I training in there. Just they keep you, you fricking big body every day. Every day. <laughs> yeah. Um. And uh, way a good way to look at it is, you know, and I'm sparring like I spar Francis like. Saw him every, you know, two times a week. Like,
1: listen, Tyrell's not going to hit you that hard.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, and he ain't as strong. (laughs) Like, Francis is the strongest human being I have ever locked arms with in my life, man. He is freak.
1: (laughs) I was covering a PFL event in Vegas, and um, I was, you know, I was, you know, there taking pictures and stuff and doing some video things. And then I I seen him sitting down. I'm six foot tall, sitting down, like, like he was like staring at my chest and I was like, yeah, he, dude, he is so big. And like, he shook my yep.
0: hand and I, I felt like I had, it was a child. No, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yep, no, nope, that's uh, it's definitely, definitely humbling. Anytime you think you're, you're making any kind of improvements, like you, people will keep you in check. That's for dang sure. <laughs> no, for sure. Uh, now there's obviously no plan in leaving
1: Extremadura. You're, you're happy there. You found yourself a new home. Yep. Now, how have you transitioned into Vegas life? Now, what are we coming into like our second or third summer there? Uh, this
0: will be my second summer, actually. Are you Ready? Yeah, this will be my this will be my second summer here. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm uh, I'm in Vegas for reasons for training. Uh, once uh, once once my my fighting career takes a standstill and I'm done with it, I'm out of there. <laughs> well, yep. Yeah, because you're yep.
1: usually in uh, North Dakota, correct?
0: Uh, North Minnesota, yeah. Minnesota, okay. North Dakota, you
1: Minnesota, one
0: or two. Yep. We're yeah. Let's talk
1: about Minnesota here for a second. Let's talk about those Minnesota Vikings, man. Nah, Huge like, fan. Obviously, up. you and I are. Blow, you've blow been saying up, blow, blow up now up. for like three. No, it's been about like what nine months you've been telling us to blow this damn thing up.
0: I was, I was, I was, I said it. I'm like, they're gonna make the playoffs. We last time we talked, I'm like, they're good. I have faith they're gonna make the playoffs, but I didn't expect them to actually make it past the wild card wow. round, which prop, props to them, man. That was that was hard work, but. I
1: really, I was like, okay, we're gonna lose to Breeze and the Saints, and like, yep. I wasn't telling
0: anybody that. Everyone that asked me, I was like, no, I'm <laughs> playoffs,
1: okay, in the back of my head, though, I was like, we're about to lose.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I was gonna be happy just as keep, they kept it close, <laughs> and then they but, won.
1: I was like, holy shit! You know, and then Cousins like, pulled off the victory too, which like kept exactly like, all his naysayers. Dude,
0: I say this to everyone out there, man. Well, you're you're on this side this side too. Cousins is not the Vikings' problem. Quit giving him the scapegoat. No, okay. He's not gonna. He's not at he's not gonna go freaking bring you the Super Bowl by himself. But he is not the Vikings' problem.
1: He can hand the ball off and make the capable throws we need him to
0: make. The exactly. defense
1: needs to stop
0: the other team from
1: scoring the goddamn ball.
0: <laughs> yeah. I okay. could. Oh man. And, you know, it'd be nice if you had more than two seconds to throw the ball every now and then. Okay, yeah. So don't get me started on that offensive line. I, I,
1: okay? <laughs> no. Let's not even, like, our first, like, umpteen draft picks for the next umpteen
0: years just you know, is guards know. and tackles Dude. and centers till we
1: figure this Dude. shit out. O'Neal.
0: I'll give O'Neal, though, man. O'Neal's held his own. He's, He's probably the best Barry right.
1: Barry does good, too. You know what I mean? I still have a yep. right
0: for him. We O'Neal's so probably just the best right tackle. Like one of the best right tackles in the NFL, O'Neal. Because I mean, he he's started. He at the center, then he moved career. over, and then he moved over. Yeah, like he's he turned out to be a stud. That was that was a good pick by the Vikings because he's only in his third year. Yeah,
1: third year, one sack, ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> Played every single yep. down.
0: Yep, like, like I'll I'll answered. take that. And he doesn't. know what talks about him. That's no. good. That
1: is his offensive lineman not to get talked about. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's great because at the end of the day, too, he's going to get paid. We know we're going to have to pay him. But yep. where is that money coming from? And I know you have some great ideas on where we're going to just cut this and cut that and get rid of him and send him over there and <laughs> cut both of those guys too. Yep. What is your
0: future for the Vikings if you had your GM Well, you know, First of all, I love him. He's a great motor, great energy, great motivator. Vikings fans have seen the end of Everson Griffith, Griffith as a D tackle for the Vikings. He's not going to be with us anymore. I can guarantee you that. Even if he takes a pay cut, I mean, he kind of had a resurging year this year. He kind of, I mean, he came back with like eight or nine sacks no or something. No way, he would have to take a pay cut, dude. Oh, he'd have to, play, he would have to play play for a million dollars a year. Like that's yeah, the only way he stays. Yeah, like that is literally the only way he stays. Um, and uh, Xavier Rhodes and, and the Vikings, like they're you know the management, the upper echelon, they. They hate having dead money on. They like. They hate paying dead money, That's but a ton of dead you're gonna have money. to pay some dead money, man. So you pay four million in dead man, money to get rid of 15 or 14, whatever it is. Xavier Rhodes, man, you did your thing, but it's it's down, Rhodes man. Have been open for a long time. <laughs> like Holton Hill covered for him when he got injured. When we were down to like three three freaking cornerbacks in one of those games, and Holton Hill did just as well. Just
1: as well. yeah,
0: and he's. Literally get in the league minimum. Yeah, quite, quite literally. So I mean, um, the offensive line issues. That's you just got to draft because we can't. I mean, Riley Reef, He's going to be gone. Yeah. There's no reason there's, to keep him for the. Never
1: really been a great free agent acquisition on the offensive no, line for us at
0: least. No. no. So I mean, and Riley Reef I think he's holding up like 13 or 14 million cap right now, and he's, Ooh. he's a below average left tackle. Like he's not the worst thing in the world, but he ain't, <laughs> he's, I mean, he's not gonna, he's old, he's old, it's bad, you know, he's not gonna be doing what he used to be doing. He's so, a stopgap for the next guy. Yeah, exactly, that's, and that's what they were planning, but, I mean, yeah, but it's gonna, I'm sorry, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a couple years before the Vikings to get back to Especially, it. especially with, like, the way the
1: drafts are shaping up right now, there's no real big offensive alignment, especially oh. where we're at in the draft. we were, like, 20 something, 22, 23.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. And, 30, uh, 20. We're going to have to honestly, most likely go corner first round. Yeah. Because as much as I've heard. That's so going to be the best
0: available thing to go yeah. there. And that's honestly, I think for, for us, what we should do this draft, I, I don't get it. They still think they're in a win now mode. I'm like, you don't have, you don't, we don't got the stuff. We don't. <laughs> and, and, and hear me out. Hear me out. People are going to call me crazy.
1: Let's not re sign Cook. No, I don't think so either. Madison is just as good. And I, we're more of a two... Focus, focus we our teams MVP. We've been able to put good backs out there no matter what. Yep. And then and also, definitely. in Gary
0: Kubiak's system, I can run yep. behind it. Yeah. Okay. Hell, no, it's uh, as much as that... Yeah, you're right. That's, that's, a, that's a take that's going to get you yelled at big time. <laughs> um, but I will back that up. Um, I love Cook. He is our team MVP by far. 100%. But... What's the what's the top, what's the shelf life? Of, I mean, what's what's the life of a running back in the NFL?
1: Six seven seasons max, max. Like,
0: you know, and he hasn't played a full one yet.
1: No, and that see that, that's my other point. We can he can't stay healthy.
0: My thing with getting rid of Diggs is
1: Thielen can't stay healthy.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, our receiver core—we get rid of digs. We're blowing it all up, anyways, because our yeah. receiving core is crap. But anyways, at that point, because we don't even have a number three now, we don't even have a number two. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and you know, Thielen—you know—he's, well, he's turning thirty. He turned thirty this year. Yeah. So, you know, that's—he's not he's, not hes not—he's going to be on his downward trend. As sad as that sounds, but I mean,
1: life. Yeah, the, the much window, more do we have? The window, Harrison Smith.
0: Yeah, no, dude, he went, he's an average safety now, but he's still, he's knowledgeable. That's what saves him, is his I, brain.
1: Okay, we need to re-sign Harry, uh, Anthony Harris. That is
0: a oh, must, absolutely. Do. absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a free, I mean, that's a given right there. If you want any kind of defense at all, <laughs> like, he, he was like one of the best free safeties in the, in the game this last year, like. They're already projecting if they let him walk, he's gonna be the most sought after free agents in NFL free agency. You
1: know who's gonna be a very sought after free agent? Mr. Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, I know. Who we could have signed for a Stupid Jeep. Yep, stupid I know Stupid
0: Jeep. Yep, so I, I did it. And you know what? I wasn't the greatest I didn't hate Teddy Bridgewater, but I got annoyed at fans that they when he was still playing before his injury, they were crowning him like the next biggest thing. I'm like I still consider him like more of a game
1: manager, not yeah. like a. He was out there never going He's not Patrick Mahomes
0: yeah. by no means. Yeah. People like people would yell at me, like you know, friends that are fans, and be like, "Oh no, he's something. like he's good, but he's not like Drew Brees. He's not Tom Brady. He he's not Aaron
1: Rodgers. He's Vinny No, so he's going
0: to be. He's going to be. I'm like, he can't throw like he can that media like medium routes to short routes. That guy is click Yo. deep balls. That's that's a problem.
1: Yeah, tell Troy Williamson. Well, Mr. Dropsy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's get back into the fighting because people are going to think this is, you know, NFL yeah. native. radio. <laughs> I can talk I saw Vikings all day. Like we didn't, we didn't go into the digs though. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, let's get into that for a second because Mr. Diggs has been making huge headlines here recently apparently Uh, he got rid of all of his viking related stuff off social media he broke up he broke up with us yo but he does this every year like i don't know why like people are like going crazy like calm down this is last year he posted a picture of himself in a redskins uniform
0: yep i remember that his brother like made it for him yeah well i think what made what added more fuel to fire this year is his there's truth to all rumors comment yes you know and I don't know what he's crying about. You're getting paid like a top wide receiver, and you are you break 1,000 yards and almost have 10 touchdowns a year. What's there to be angry about?
1: The nine times <laughs> in a you're not the scapegoat on anything. No one's ever like, you know what, it was
0: Diggs' fault. I call him. I call him out all the time. He, when he cries, how many drop passes did I see from him when he was wide open? Yes. So many this year. He drops them, then he'll go pout on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what irritates me. Yep, exactly. You can't act that way when you're dropping freaking passes as a wide receiver.
1: I do like Kubiak as offensive coordinator. I think it's a seamless transition. I don't think we're gonna see much difference in the offense, but you, I you
0: you don't if people you think Kubiak wasn't running that offense exactly. you know year, I mean? he was running that offense. He just had a headset on and was standing up in the sky Exactly. Him. He he re, he was the mastermind behind all of that.
1: He got, he got Scars head coaching job though.
0: Exactly. Have fun, Cleveland. Exactly. You <laughs> yeah.
1: really think he ran our offense? You're crazy. Yep, exactly. <laughs> now let's let's get into this after Tyrell on Saturday. What do you want next in Bellator? Because you still have a couple uh, of fights on your Bellator contract, correct?
0: I uh, nope, I believe this is this is the last one this on the contract. It? Oh,
1: yep. so what is next yeah. for you? Do you have anything an idea? Has Bellator uh, talked to you? About I'd love
0: to you know. Yeah, win, lose, draw. I'd love to get re-signed by Bellator, but I want uh, my end goal is I want to get more active. I want to, I want to fight like three times this year, like okay, or three times after this fight. Like from a calendar year, from Friday, I want to fight three more times.
1: Now, is there like, anywhere specific you'd like to fight? I know you've fought in all over the world. You're a veteran of the sport, but is there um, an arena like maybe Madison Square
0: Garden? Um, no, man. The Northeast doesn't treat me very well. I, <laughs> I, 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 every time I fight in the Northeast, I get my I get my ass beat. <laughs>
1: Forget that then. Let's come back to
0: the yep. forum. Yeah, no, I'm like, get, bring me, bring me to the Midwest. All Midwest guards, uh, you know, makes me feel at home.
1: There you <laughs> Go. Uh, after you do hang up your gloves, you said you're going to spend some time in Minnesota. What do you plan on doing? Farming or what?
0: Uh, I'll, be, I'll go back. I'll find something in the agricultural industry probably. Um, like I spread, I go home and spread fertilizer. Uh, I've seen that last you month, your last. Um,
1: minute.
0: yeah, and uh, I just enjoy being back there. I'll probably be joining the guard again here. You know, I'll got ten years in, um, finish out, get my last ten years. Uh, maybe pop on another deployment. Who knows? <laughs> Never know. So uh,
1: you totally have a bunch of doors that could be open for you after your days of fighting are over.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. But I mean, that's that's a that's long time away. away. That's, that's, a way, that's a ways away. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> that stuff will always be there. <laughs> you no, know, no, for sure. And you know, that's what I try to tell people all the time that you know, one who aspire to be fighters, like whatever you're doing now will be here we'll when be. you're you know 36 37. Yeah. Like, you're unless, be unless we're trying to get on
0: bitcoin which yeah. that's over <laughs> you know that I mean? already. You're,
1: like, you're <laughs> like trying to be a male stripper or something like that like yeah. you got a window of opportunity there that you got to get in it but yeah <laughs> besides that you're good bro just fight. yep that's
0: absolutely it. nope i agree with you
1: no what have you been doing on your spare time lately
0: uh, my spare time, I haven't been doing much, uh, just uh, I really haven't had much. Any spare time I have is usually sitting on the couch, relaxing, um, and, yeah, maybe playing some video games or, I don't know, just kind of, because, you know, three workouts a day yeah, kind of take the, breaks between me Yeah, yeah, extreme or, uh, you know, just workouts on my own and whatnot. So, yeah, um, that's kind of what I do on my downtime. <laughs> now,
1: what games have you been playing?
0: Uh, I restarted. I restarted Oblivion again. Oh, that's a good game. I freaking love Oblivion. I beat it a couple times already. <laughs> <laughs> so I always, so I always try. It. So I pick a different character every time, and Then I pick a different like uh, group who I who I align with like later on in the game and whatnot.
1: Yeah. See, I I started playing The Witcher again after the series came out. Okay. So I've been kind of like intuitive with that, but then uh, Tom Clancy's Division Two. Was on sale. Okay, for like I have $5. Not, I have not
0: played that
1: yet. And everyone's like, everyone said that division is pretty wicked. It was on sale for five dollars at GameStop the huh. other day.
0: So I was like, well, why the fuck not? So I bought it, and I've yep. been
1: hooked on that ever since.
0: Yeah. No, that's weird. Uh, I ain't got the. I used to be big in like Xbox 360 days, like the original Call of Duty Modern yes. Warfare. Man, I was I was a beast on that. And then when the then all the newer ones, I started getting more Halo ish. I hated yes. them, man. Like, they tried to make it into, like, Halo. I'm like, well, that's not what I – the reason I like the original because you shot someone three shit. times, they died. <laughs> like, yeah, like,
1: I don't. I, I'm not – and then Fortnite, Fortnite, drives me crazy. I'm not trying to build shit
0: and shoot you. I just want to shoot you. <laughs> yeah. So I got into a, a, a player's underground a little bit. Okay. Yeah, that, that was pretty fun, you know, sca- run around, scavenge, survival, and kill. That was pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, no, I uh, so I haven't bought the new Call of Duty yet because I don't know anything about it. I don't know if it's like the old one or it's like the, all the newer ones yet.
1: So I don't know. <laughs> I've seen my son play it a couple times and it's pretty good. It's enjoyable. It's definitely not the older one, though.
0: So. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's not super out of this world. <laughs> yeah, it's not too
1: wild. Yeah. All right. Alright, brother. Well, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I know you have a busy fight week. You're fighting on Friday. Um, do you know on the card, you're on the main card, correct?
0: Yep. Um, I will be the feature. So, i got main, co-main, then
1: me and Tyrell. Okay, perfect. There you go. So, the feature fight of the night. Ed Ruth is the main event. Can't wait to see you and Tyrell throw down on Friday night. Bella tour 239, I believe, right? Yep, that's correct. Thackerville, Oklahoma, the Windstar World Casino. Fights can be seen on DAZN. Uh Paramount Network, yes or no? Paramount, yep, Paramount Network. Excellent. Paramount Network as well. The main card starts at 9 p.m. Eastern. That is 6 o'clock out here on the West Coast. Mr. Tim Johnson, thank you very much for your time. I enjoy talking MMA with you, Vikings football, even a little video can. games. I appreciate your time, man, and I can't wait to have you back on again
0: awesome thank you appreciate it hey
1: guys you got jared night train good in here with you guys and you are listening to native mma radio check us out all right guys as always thank you to tim johnson for being a great guest so obviously we got into those big vikings football that dude's got big plans for this entire organization just give him the gm key fuck it now wally wall i like to thank all three of our guests i like to thank joe Hurst, richie smolens and tim johnson Richie was on the other side of the world in Ireland, so I'm glad we were able to get that done. Walid is on the other side of the world, and we're able to get this shit done every single week. Thank you so much, sir, for all your time. I appreciate yeah. it. I know how busy you are right now, especially being back home in Algeria, so I appreciate your time.
2: Nah, yeah, no problem, brother. Everything will come back to boring uh, nature, like normal shit it's ne- about next week, but uh, yeah, it's very cool. It's uh, very cool to be here back in Algeria. Family, friends, you know, everything. So yeah. Are you a
1: special place you're gonna be watching the fight this week? you Got some friends watching it or anything like that? Uh,
2: not really because you know you know that I will be watching the fight around two a.m. So oh, uh, nobody, yeah, yet. I will watch it all by myself. Everybody will be all sleeping. By- but-
3: my, that's um, it. That's it. All right, well, I'll exactly. text you.
1: <laughs> All right,
2: brother, uh, as always.
1: Do you uh, have any last words on these big fights coming up this weekend?
2: Oh, the main event: Dan Hooker against uh, the Irish Dragon. That's a good fight. Fa- that's a good fight. That's a great matchup. Everybody should really watch these fights.
1: As always, I'd like to thank our sponsors Coca Cola, Toshiba, yeah. Africa United, the Lakers, all them bitches. No, I'm just kidding. None of those guys Me sponsors. Are... But call us because we can work this shit out.
2: Me on postmates, you know, LA, as the usual.
1: Travel. Can we get some travel or something? Like Travelocity? That's what we need to figure out. Yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: Everything. All
1: right, brother. Now, I'm not going to hold you for too much longer. I know how busy you are in Algeria, but I do. All joking aside, I'd like to thank Joe Hurst again. I'd like to thank Richie Smolens, and I'd like to thank Tim Johnson. And I'd like to thank you guys, the fans. You know, without you guys here, we wouldn't be able to do this shit. We wouldn't be doing it. I mean, obviously, I I keep a look at our numbers, and I see there are some fans out there, and there are people following us and watching us and listening to us. So I do appreciate that, and thank you guys for your continued support. Wally Wall, I will see you next week, brother. As always, have a good one. You're listening to Native MMA Radio. Peace.